Halo, halo, Sacred Icon listeners. We used to do ads for other people, but I decided, why don't we do one for ourselves? Whether you're here listening to us for the first time or you've heard every episode, I'd like to briefly tell you what we're about and how you can support us. We have been doing this podcast since 2019, and with that has come lots of changes. We started as a primarily Halo-only show, but have evolved, combat evolved, over the years to talk about a wide variety of things in the realm of nerd culture. As you can imagine, we've made numerous changes to our platforms, usernames, and emails over the years, so now is the time for me to set things right and give the Covenant back their bomb. You can join our Discord by clicking the link included on our podcast feed. You can also send us an email or a voice message at sacrediconpodcast at gmail.com. We have a YouTube channel at youtube.com slash sacredicon, and we no longer use Twitter or X or whatever else the kids are calling it these days. So if you see someone who looks like us there, just know it's not us. Lastly, you can support us on patreon.com slash sacredicon and receive a bevy of bonus content. We're so glad you chose us to be the voice in your ear on this particular day and hope you enjoy the episode ahead. Halo, halo, everybody, and welcome to episode 56 of the Sacred Icon Podcast, where the sacred boys come together and keep it sacred. That's right, guys. I'm your co-host, Jovial Joshua Hargis. Always happy. Always jovial. <laughs> and join with me is my buddy, my pal, my friend. Not Brian Ivy. No, no, no. Not Brian Joker. Not Brian Crow. No, no. It's Brian's Bane. <laughs> Brian, how you make people man? think that I'm. How was your week? Make people think that I'm a huge Batman fan, which I am, kind of, but like that has nothing to do with Batman. My name. It's funny how much um, I associate you with Batman, despite like us never really talking about Batman stuff as much, because I'm so used to just yeah. like I have so many memories of seeing the posters on your walls and stuff like that. Well, I mean, I love the Arkham series and I love the Christopher Nolan films, mm. but you know, outside of that, I'm not the deepest. I'm no Matthew Salvatore. You know what I mean? The man who saw Justice um, League and knew it needed more. That Matthew Salvatore. Drop, yeah, that one. Name <laughs> drop right off the bat. How was your week, Brian? Um. Oh man. Well, as far as uh, just personally, like regular work week and. Kind of feeling a little groggy, kind of having some stomach pain. But other than that, as far as media goes and like the nerd world, it has been legendary. It's been, it's been fantastic. I mean, between actually getting Cyberpunk coming out this week and then all the announcements from, I mean, we've got a lot to cover. All the announcements from Disney with like Star Wars, Marvel, you got the whole Game Awards. Um, yeah. And then, of course, the Halo update, which we haven't commented on yet. No. So, uh, well, how was your week, Josh? Uh, pretty cool. I went on vacation, so and this is a staycation where I don't go anywhere. Oh, uh, yeah. You went to your yes. bedroom, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Guys, I literally took uh, my vacation. I had this mapped out, and I uh, planned it for Cyberpunk. And what's funny is, like, since it's been out, I haven't really spent as much time playing that. But um, but what time I, I have played with that, I've been enjoying that. So we'll talk about that a little bit more later. But uh, it's been it's been it's definitely been nice, and it was great to wake up to everything I did yesterday. So yeah, we wanted to get this out hey, as Josh, soon as possible. Yeah, in typical fashion, let's get right into the Halo Infinite, uh, you know, Halo Waypoint. Hello, rock. hello, 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 hello. <laughs> it's the sacred icon Halo show. Hello, hello. <laughs> we need to put that up sometime <laughs> on here. We only, I think thing. we only ever did it on the Twitter. Yeah, uh, no, I put it in the uh, bonus disc. Oh, that's right, that's the right. Bonus disc, Godball. Yeah, the outtake yeah, at the end. Go check that in the archives. Um, but anyways, 
So most of you guys listening probably have already, you know, seen the pictures and heard all the stuff about the uh, the update. But the big news is Halo Infinite is confirmed to be coming out fall 2021. So Boom. you're going to have to wait another year for the game. But reading through that blog post, which was very meaty, and we're not going to go through all of it because most of you know about it already. But when you read through it, it makes it pretty evident, doesn't it, Josh, that a year away is the right decision. Definitely. Definitely doesn't seem like this is a spring release at all. Well, and I think the biggest takeaway was that it, it you could see visually that wow they they've been working on that game. It's not like they literally just were like we're gonna delay the game and then everyone yeah. go home and let's figure out what to do. No, they've yeah, been working like hard. after the July event. After the July event, they're like, man, this sucks, and they just take like four months off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like Jason Jones back in the day, like, I'm just gonna go. Yeah. I'm just gonna yeah. go on a vacation somewhere and. To Mount Everest, and, and you guys maybe that's what happened with like maybe Chris Lee tried to pull a Jason Jones, or like, ah, nope, you're gonna be on a different Microsoft project. Get Joe <laughs> State and get in here. Um, yeah, but basically, as you guys have seen, they posted some really high quality like multiplayer images and like different armor sets. The game looks amazing. Um, ultimately, you know, I don't really want to get super far into the details, like I said, because we've kind of been through it already, but I just think this was a really great move by 343 because it was kind of just like. Them laying out like they had like a one of those Manila colored folders. Yeah. There's like here's the stuff that's gonna like it's gonna tell you guys what like our roadmap is, and it's gonna like put the 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 uh, Halo fan base on an even keel, and like this is what we're gonna give you before Christmas, and then next year we start the journey, which is you know there's gonna be flighting, there's gonna be new info. So yeah, I thought it was awesome to just start off and see Jason Jones there, the Return of the King. You know, you mean Joe, Joe State? Who did I say? We, you said Jason Jones. We were Jason just Jones. About uh, Jason Jones. Jason Satham. All, I get them. They're all. They're all. They're all the same person. Goodness. They're all awesome. <laughs> so. I guess I'm groggy too. But yeah, um, it was great to see Joe Stason. Uh, Joe Stason. Oh my God! Listen to me, guys. Joe. Just call Staten. him. Just call him Joey. Joe Stason. Kick things off. I was really happy to see that though. Just to read something from him, like in the a the most hype moment. The most hype moment for me is when he, at the end, he's like, yeah, when I came in to work on this game, I sat down and played through the campaign twice, twice yeah. and it's amazing. Yeah, he was like, talking about okay. he could feel the 30 seconds of fun and everything like that. Gosh. Uh, he knew what to say. He knew how to play on our little <laughs> Halo hearts. He did, man. He did good. He did good. And you know what? I was so great seeing the new, like, just the visual. It looks like a visual overhaul. Like, I mean, I don't know how else to explain it. It just looks. That's the thing is, nobody's, nobody else has really said it, but, like, because I feel like it's null and void to even bring up, but like those multiplayer screenshots and armor shots, they looked they looked so good that I'm like, I know. In my head, I'm going, this isn't what the campaign's gonna look like, right? Uh, yeah, I was thinking the same thing, Brian. Yeah, I was like, this looks look so good. I'm like, is this one of those things where you like really polished this up to show this off? Yeah, and I, I think, think they confirmed only, on Twitter. They're like, no, these are actual in-game screenshots. Yeah, I think that's more or less what the multiplayer running at the Series X is gonna look yeah. like. But is that what campaigns going to look like? Probably not quite. And and if it does manage to come on an Xbox One still, which I'm thinking it will, because you think they would have announced now that it's not if it's not going to. The Xbox Sorry. One version, it ain't going to look anything <laughs> like that. It probably ain't going to look like the July. Well, release, uh, I will say I was really happy. The one multiplayer photo that had the sort of map layout, it was like Axis or something like that, and you had like Axios. I, that's what I thought when I saw it. I was like Axios. You, you saw like the, what looked like the camo pickup, and there's a little turbine down there, and then you see like some of the what looks to be like weapon spawns and pickups and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, cool. That kind of confirmed to me more or less 
we were going to have like even starts probably again in pickups. Yeah, you know, this is such a minor thing. And it's funny because the only thing I've seen about it on Twitter is actually somebody complaining about it. But for me, I really love that the weapons are floating because like I'm an old school first person shooter gamer. And that's such an old school like like kind of doom quake type thing to do Unreal yeah. tournament to have the guns. I was floating. gonna say it seems like a weird thing to like talk about but at the same time I think it for anyone that's played first person shooters it's like you think okay well you think about like Halo Halo's 5 never had that Halo 5 had it floating but just barely off the ground you know and then you look well, at like but it, but it was just cert, wasn't it just power weapons yeah that's what I'm saying least? yeah I'm sorry that's what I'm okay. saying power weapons so like when you look at some of the pickups in this one it's like they're floating probably about like chest level you know, almost like yeah. Overshield, like in, in the other ones and stuff like that. So yeah. uh, that made me feel really good. I was like, I, you know, just seeing that, I was like, that's awesome. Because it also looked like you, right there where you had the, the camo pickup, it looked like there's this like turbine thing. And I'm like, it looks like something you could potentially shoot. So if you don't get there in time, but you see some, if, if I don't get there in time, but I see Brian, you know, I see you rushing to it, yeah. then maybe I could shoot that turbine and kill you for just being like, Haha, you should have done it, Brian, you know. Who knows? You never kill me, Josh. You never want to do that. Actually, it's funny, you guys. Even though you guys know I suck at Halo multiplayer and Josh is, like, really good, Josh never wants to compete against friends. Like, in a LAN setting, he would. But, like, if it's online, he's, like, he never wants to do that. He's, like, no, we got to be on a Play team, together, stay together, baby. Yeah. It's funny, though. we got yeah. an old coworker who would always give me shit at work and say, Brian's a better Halo player. He teabags you all the time. And I'm, like, you... That's oh, a lie. <laughs> and then just for fun, I'd be like, "That's so yeah, true." No. <laughs> Last time you saw him, yeah. you said that. I was like, "Shut up, Brian." God. But hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna draw a super super crazy conclusion that's totally gonna be wrong. But wouldn't it be crazy if because you know people don't like sprint and a lot of people don't like sprint in Halo multiplayer? Well, it has the, those floating weapons like Unreal Tournament. And Unreal Tournament games are like and Quake games are known for having that super yeah, fast movement. What if? What if in the multiplayer for Halo Infinite there is no sprint and it's just like faster movement and that's like a sign? Oh, that'd be interesting. Wouldn't that be crazy? Yeah. I mean, that'd be because I mean, they could do like something different for a campaign. That's you know? true. I mean, overall, they definitely had a lot of good things to say. I feel like it's almost universally loved. Like it really, that w it's just cool to see that 343 needed to kind of, they went out on a W. You know what I mean? Like they, they ended this year, like if, if that's all they talk about for the rest of the year, which it seems like that was the implication. That's a good, just great way to go out, and it really just re-energized a lot of people out there. The community feels really positive, and all that just seemed exciting in there. It sounded awesome. I mean, even what's that part, Brian, where where Joe was talking about like, you know, do I go over here? Do I assault this ban banished sentry? Yeah, like the banished uh, war base blocking the valley, or do I get the help the marines that are like dug yeah, out yeah. I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure we said on a podcast once. I mean, I think it was actually you who was like, I want to be able to like go rescue Marines. Yeah, I just think that's you know? that's so. awesome. That that kind of stuff sounds so cool. That makes me excited because the way he described it pretty much put into words how it felt seeing the video. And you're like wondering what's around all these different corners. Like, oh, I want to go see that just crash dropship or I want to go over here. I want to go. You wanted to know what was around corners and the way he was describing it made it seem like, yeah, that's definitely a thing you can do. And there's going to be. Uh, yeah. reasons to validate you going up. Please, there. please, like, when we play the game, like, have it be so, in, like, uh, like evoke feelings of Bungie where, like, you're coming up the mountain to save and, like, one of the Marines is like, Chief, it's about time you got hit. Oh, I know. You know, like, just, like, you know, one of the kind of Bungie joking, yeah. like, Marines just kind of being sarcastic or whatever, yeah. so. No, it's weird. Uh, yeah, they did, they did I mean, a very, uh, and I mean this politely, but they did a very, like, corporate job of, like, making it seem like, like, by the time I read, I was done reading it, I was like, so there was never any problems there. 
<laughs> yeah, they did. They really they thought that one. They out. did. Um, in, they also kind of. Way, I'm surprised how they managed to, and you know, Josh and I never cared too horribly much about it, but they pretty much they did a good job of kind of glossing over fears of the armor coating and just getting people to shut up about that. I'm, I'm actually impressed how well they've yeah, done. That was um, well. So. They were well spoken in that for yeah. sure. But the, I mean, the Spartans look you know better than ever. So I think that it's kind of you know made people kind of not think about it. Yes. Well. Plus, I I saw this on Twitter and like it's not something we said, but but like people are commenting on like everyone's like going out in droves to buy. Um, and this is one of our other topics. We'll just kind of segue it into. Um, everyone's going out in droves to buy the uh, the Master Chief skins and stuff on Fortnite, mm. and it's like that's kind of indicative of how like armor shaders are okay. Because now I know it's not the exact same, and there's definitely nuances to that discussion, but like, if it's about not spending money for things you like cosmetically in games, like, you see the Halo fan base flocking to play Fortnite with buying that skin, right. so that's, that makes a, a little bit of a good point. Um, but, I mean, ultimately, to sum up, like, the Halo news, um, I think we're in a good spot going into 2021, and, you know, they've talked about how flighting's going to come, and, you know... You know they're going to be, once it gets around E3 time, which is probably not going to be a typical E3. I don't even know if E3 is going to be a thing. But um, when we get around to that time, there's probably going to be a full, like, blowing the doors off with with, uh, showing new stuff. And, you know, a year's, like, far away, but it's going to go quick. And I I don't want to go into this conversation yet because we'll come back to it, but... Because we have a lot of things, especially Josh, to say about this, but it's kind of like the cyberpunk situation right now. Despite how great the game may be, there's some serious bugs, and if that's how Halo would have been, or even worse, if Halo Infinite had have been like MCC at launch, <laughs> oh dear God, please give us a five-year wait rather than I that. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. no. Overall, but, I was pretty pleased with it. Please, this punch and. I am really, really excited to see the next time they start talking about this. Like, I feel like I'm at a point where, like, I, I already didn't need them to to really talk about this yet, but just the fact that they were building up this update and they nailed it, they knocked it out of the park, it just makes me feel like, okay, good. Like, you guys have every right to go back and and, and work because you've obviously shown just just in what little we got to see there that you guys have definitely made a lot of headway between E3. And now, and also just sort of giving us a little, peeling back the layer a bit. And then they also just kind of teased that they are going to be trying to share more pretty much from here on out. So this is just a nice way to just kind of close out, you know, 2020 for them uh, after just kind of how sour it was uh, like six months ago. Uh, I'm really happy for them to get that feedback, to get that win. And last thing I'll say about it is. Uh, you know, it, it, yeah, like Brian said, guys, I, I, it's it's a year from now, pretty much, that we'll be playing this game, and that sounds like a long time. But on the other hand, uh, that E3 gameplay reveal was like six or seven months ago now, and it it's weird. It almost it, just feels like a month quick. ago because yeah, I, I mean, I, it, it's weird. It's crazy as this year's been. It's just that's flown by. So I'm just thinking, like, man, it's gonna fly by. There's gonna be so much going on. And that's the thing is, like, if we're seeing new new little footage and screenshots in February, March, and then we're playing the beta or flighting in like May, and then it comes out in like November. I mean, that's gonna go at this quick. point. There's, there's no, games. there's not gonna be like this whole big period of radio silence. I honestly, I could be wrong, but I feel like we just got through the worst of it. Yeah, I think so too. I'm excited, but very excited. Um, Josh, we'll kind of we'll kind of knock some of these smaller ones out sure. just real quick. Sure. Have you ever played Ark Survival? 
no, but I watched a friend play that, and it was hilarious. Okay. My little brother Noah was obsessed with playing it. It looked kind of cool, but it's not, didn't seem like my it's type of game. It's not our kind of game, for sure, but it's definitely got no. its audience, and I can see why people really enjoy playing those kinds of games. Yeah, well, then, well, so then we're watching, like, I'm watching the Game Awards, and I'm seeing what looks like, to me, it looks like Horizon Zero Dawn, but with Vin Diesel. <laughs> I got, okay, I got, like, Horizon slash Avatar, but with a little, like, splash of its own kind of identity, yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, what is this? Like, this can't be, I doubt they're bringing Vin Diesel's face to Horizon Zero Dawn. And uh, eventually it reveals that it's, like, I guess a sequel to Ark Survival, that's maybe more story based. Yeah, this is what was is like one of the bigger like takeaways from the Game Awards was like an, an arc sequel. You're thinking because I mean, here's the thing, guys. For those who don't know too much about it, it's like it's it's kind of um I forget the the correct term of it, but it's kind of like a survival game. So you have like Conan Exiles, things like that. It's kind of a game where you're literally just like you're kind of trying to just survive and 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 build a life, you know, out in these games. It's like a second life in a sense, and like. The fact that this has some kind of narrative. It's not to say the other ones don't. They kind of do, but it's very loosely played upon. And the fact that this is Vin Diesel and you're seeing kind of like some narrative elements in there um, seems to hint at that. On top of it, they also announced, I think, like in, uh, an arc series, an animated series. Which looked really yes. Yeah, cool. so My wife actually was all about it. I don't know what happened there, but it, from what I understand, that's going to arc 2 is going to be uh, an Xbox exclusive. So it sounds like Microsoft must have went and looked and said, "Hey, we want to do something with this franchise. Are you guys interested?" And they were like, uh, "He's like, how about yeah. you give us Horizon, but with Vin Diesel and no?" <laughs> you might be onto something there, Brian. So, yeah, I, I mean, honestly, dude, I don't care about the Ark series, but that particular thing I saw, it looks like something I want to play. Yeah, I looked. Good. Here's the thing, man. I, but it's kind of crazy because I can't take like I like Vin Diesel a lot, but he just seems so out of place. He's not. That's the thing about Vin Diesel is like I. He's like so bad in a way with his like acting at times that it's good. He's very he's got himself very typecast. I literally yeah. there were scenes when I was watching Bloodshot where I was like, okay, this is literally like a knockoff like Fast and Furious stealth sequel. It was so funny in that way. But uh, I love Vin Diesel at the same time. He's a great guy. I've even watched him play Dungeons and Dragons with the Critical Role group. He's just such a cool dude. Such a nice dude. Uh, I just anytime he's involved with video games, I just root for him. So. Yeah, I've watched The Pacifier more times than I <laughs> Dude, that movie was it. fun, man. That was a fun I like yeah. it. It's just, yeah, it's not, yeah. not as bad, but still. <laughs> um, Josh, what did you think about... Now, I liked this game... I liked Left 4 Dead a lot when I was in like Love high school Left and younger. Yeah, I don't really care about it much anymore personally, but did this Back for Blood get you excited? or do you uh, A little bit, a little bit, because, I mean, it's one of... It, honestly, what it comes down to is just, I don't know if, you know... If there's going to be time to play that, you know, amid all the other games, because it's one of the kind yeah. of games that, like, will require more, of my like, all of us trying to get together, like, a couple people and play it, mm-hmm. and just trying to figure that out when we're in our late 20s, early 30s, and stuff like that. It's a little and tricky. it's not a mandatory game for you. It's not like, I have to play Halo. I yeah, have to it's play definitely not on that not on that level, but, I mean, it makes me, the thought of it makes me excited. I mean, I had so much fun playing Left 4 Dead back in the day with my friends. The first one, specifically, I loved the second Well, I enjoyed the second one. I just didn't like it as much, personally, but... Same here. Uh, the first one, I like the first one a better aesthetic. But it was just, yeah, it was so much fun. I don't know how to explain it, because nothing really... I never really played many other games like that uh, afterward, but I played that for like a huge chunk chunk of time and have so many fond memories of playing that. So, I mean, it's on my radar for sure, I'll say that. I think the same studio did that Evolve game, which kind of failed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. I think think it was also them. Oh, yeah. What did you think of it, though? 
Um, but I mean, personally, not in like a negative way, but I don't, I don't care at all about, no. like, it's not a game that interests me, you know, back you. Blah, not something well, I'll it's buy. Ha- it's always but, hard with these things too. Cause when you're just getting so little to go off on and it's more the announcement than it is the actual like yeah. reveal, then it's, you're kind of just picking at the seams and, and it's really tough. So to kind of get a gauge. Well, on. if you guys think we're going through these quick, it's because we have several heavy hitters on here that we're like, we know we're going to boom shakalaka. So kind of. Just kind of getting through these. So uh, let's see. What do we got next here, Josh? Okay, we're both Evil Dead fans, right? Like, not huge fans. Yes, dude. And shout out to Justin. That looked like a real... Who got me into Evil Dead. Yeah, he's he's the biggest one. But didn't that look like a... That looks like a real legit third person Dude, fun cool. I'm here for like a return to Evil Dead video games, man. I played a couple of them and... They're like they kind of they kind of fit that threshold of being like just like the movies where they're sort of like campy and not like good, but in their own right they're good and they're a lot of fun, you know. So like yeah. it really fits that niche of of balancing. And I cannot wait to see more of what this looks like. I really can't. Like I was even when the remake came out, I actually really enjoyed the remake. And then it got to the like if you get to the end credits, you literally have this close up shot of Bruce Campbell going groovy. And it's like so irrelevant. Nothing comes of it at all. When I first saw it, I was like, are they trying to tease like him and the Evil Dead 2 remake? And then that never happened. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> like I will take more of Bruce Campbell as Evil Dead and or in Evil Dead. And honestly, like as someone who hasn't watched Ash versus Evil Dead, but have heard amazing things. Uh, I think honestly, I'm gonna not I'm gonna I, I was gonna check that out at some point, but what I'm gonna do now is I'm gonna push that push watching that off to when this game comes out because I know I'm gonna buy it. And then I'm just like, when I'm not playing the game, if I'm like, if I'm gonna take a break and eat, I'm gonna in the mood. put up Ash versus Evil yep. Dead, man. Get some of that chili cheese. Dip. Oh, from Mikey cosplay dropping in. Uh, oh, here it comes. Why you? I don't know. I was just building up the hype. I was like, I was looking up at the ceiling. He hadn't come through yet. So you sound like Yo, a loaded I mean, man who's about to just just pass one out. Ooh, I kind of reminds me of that cat from a Puss in Boots movie. He's like, ooh. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what about you though? Um, uh, I'm, I'll probably if it's as good as it looks. Like I'm I'm picturing myself playing a single player, third person, fun, high quality Evil Dead game. If that's what it is, I'm buying yeah, it too. It looks great. Uh, I love the first movie. Love the second movie. I personally can't get into Army of Darkness, but I respect oh, it. That's my. So. That's probably my favorite one. I think that's just if I had to too. if I had to rank them, like excluding the remake, because I still love the remake. But um, I'd probably say Army of Darkness, Evil Dead One, Evil Dead Two. I'd go one, two, Army of Darkness, and I actually it's all downhill objective, after the first one. Well, if I was being objective, I think two's the best, mm-hmm. but one one takes itself the most seriously, which I kind of appreciate. So. Um, Sephiroth and Smash Bros. Josh, now, Josh, correct me if I'm wrong. You don't give a crap about Smash Bros, right? Well, I mean, that's putting it harshly, but more or less. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I don't. Yeah. I don't have an interest in it at all. <laughs> yeah, but we both played Final Fantasy VII Remake this year, and both became fans of Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, and to Brian's credit, even were to- more, he went afterward and played through the original Final Fantasy VII. So he's gotten the whole sphere of it, and I've well. I was going to say, dude, I kind of became, like, I don't want to say bit, because, like, you know, you don't want to compare yourself to somebody who's been a fan forever, like our buddy Xavier, but, like, Xavier! I kind of became uh, a considerable size fan because I went and played through the original Final Fantasy VII again, or after I beat the remake, loved it, and um, I was really excited about this Sephiroth. I know a lot of people were like, I wanted the Doom guy, or I wanted Master Chief, but I was like, Sephiroth and Smash, dude, I, if I'm going to play as him. Like, I'm going to get him and play. Sure. I'm gonna, I, this can be fun. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I, I think anything's on the table with these games, the, the Smash Brothers series. It seems like it 
even if we don't have chief yet even if we don't have doom guy like it's there's potential to definitely get them on there at some point yeah. so I, I think Sephiroth's awesome and it capitalizes still on the sort of relevancy that final fantasy 7 kind of still has going yeah. for it this year and just the fact that he pretty much stabbed mario i love that i love I'm that nintendo was just like yeah we don't even care like take, let's take our most popular face of the franchise the thing that the guy that has carried us through as a recognizable brand the past like what 20 30 years or whatever and like yeah. go ahead and stab him <laughs> like, it's just mario. yeah it's, me. it's just kind it of a crazy me. <laughs> and it was it's kind of a crazy timeline because it's like final fantasy was exclusively like on nintendo systems yeah. And then when Nintendo decided they weren't going to go to CD-ROM and they were going to stay on cartridge, mm-hmm. uh, Square Enix was like, see ya! And they went to PlayStation and they put out Final Fantasy VII, which is one of the most revered games of all time. And now here we are in the future where on the Nintendo Switch platform, which can't run the remake of Final Fantasy VII, we get Sephiroth exclusively Sephiroth. for that platform. Oh, man. <laughs> I'll tell you, I never beat that. He was, he was part of the reason I still have yet to beat uh kingdom 100 percent. i'm sorry he's still part of the reason i haven't yet to 100 percent kingdom hearts because that battle was tough and i have that song engraved in my brain for the horrors of battle i i've waged against i guess a lot of people are sick of it because they've been hearing it for 25 years but for you and me it's more like newer ish it's new to us like not as (laughs) yeah yeah but very cool very cool i know i I, it's you know what credit to them uh with that game because every time they announce somebody people get freaking excited dude you know, yeah. Like I, I just yeah. Don't. It's a big, it's a big deal. They've made it a, an event. It's kind of what's kind of sad though is like Fortnite's almost kind of crept up and it, like Fortnite doesn't have the tenure, but it kind of gets to do the same thing. Like people feel the same way about that Kratos, Master Chief. The yeah, I mean, and people. to a lesser extent in a way, you still see the Mortal Kombat series get that with things like Terminator, Rambo, and stuff like that. Oh, like yeah. it gets it, but like yeah. to uh, the Smash Brothers series' respect, like anytime there's some new like when. What was it, Banjo Kazooie? I think got announced. Like people were just so happy. So well, Banjo Kazooie was originally a Nintendo property, so it's just kind of even like a return. Uh, come home. home, yeah. You know what, Josh? I'm kind of conf- like me and Josh get really analytical about things, so I'm kind of conflicted on this. So all year long, I've been saying Final Fantasy VII remake is my game of the year. Well, I got Demon Soul, Demon's mm. Souls for my PS5, mm-hmm. and I absolutely loved Demon Souls and. Um, when I go to my, you know, me and Josh like to make lists and we've talked about before, you can go to this place called GG and make your own app of your GG easy. On my, on my GG app, I put Demon Souls quite a few spaces above Final Fantasy VII Remake because that's how I feel about it. But I still feel like Final Fantasy VII Remake is my game of the year. Does that make any sense? Yeah, because I think for you personally, if, I, if, if I'm speaking for you to somebody else, I would say that Brian, Brian's someone who just knew out the gate he was going to love Demon Souls. Because it's just part of the Soulsborne franchise, and that was easily something you were going to anticipate above all else. Because as an adult, that's sort of become almost like a new Halo for you. Yeah. But you look at something like Final Fantasy VII Remake, which wasn't really kind of a game that you typically play, and it kind of opened you up to this entire new world. The same way as the first time you played Bloodborne. A whole new world. Yeah, it took you on that magic carpet ride, um, kind of like a you know I think Bloodborne first did with the Soulsborne series yeah. for you. So I think yeah. I think you put it into perfect. Yeah, words. I think the remake for you just represented like the doors kind of opening for you into Final Fantasy. Yeah, that's my game of the year. But if somebody told me like if I you know it's hard because somebody's like, well, Brian, would you rather do you like? Do you like Demon Souls more? Or do you like Final Fantasy Remake? I'm like, oh, I kind of Demon Souls more, but at the same time, like, it, my game of the year is Final Fantasy. Also, me and my wife got to connect a lot on that because it's her game of the year too. We were just we were at the game, we were watching the Game Awards, and my wife's like, I hope Final Fantasy VII Remake wins. I hope Final Fantasy VII Remake wins, and it won best uh, role one, two, game, yeah, it got two awards, win. I think. Yeah, 
Okay, I didn't I think, know about the other one. Yeah, I don't know what the other one is. I'm not sure. On I that. just thought the one. But um, someone listening. Okay, like, John. Wrong. Let's see here. We got one. Uh, this will probably be. Do you have any? This is something that really excited me, and I don't know why it excited me so much because I don't have too much of a fandom or history with it. But uh, the initiative working on a new Perfect Dark game, I just have a feeling in my bones it is going to be really good. Well, first and foremost, it was fantastic to finally see just what the heck the initiative is working on. Yeah. The fact that their Twitter now sort of has a uh, the lights are on. Some, <laughs> right? you know? Some people were disappointed it wasn't a new IP, but I love okay, it. Okay, yeah, I know I can see that. I can see that in one sense. But the other part of me thinks, okay, the, actually before, before the Game Awards happened, I saw a rumor that they had that the initiative themselves was going to be doing this ambitious project and nothing that's ever been done before where they they start off with a, a sort of a game like a, a campaign if you will and the first one was going to be perfect dark but then they were going to be breaking into seasons so then the next time it gets to a season however long that is then they do a new sort of campaign setting a new story huh and i don't know if that's okay. going to happen but almost like you have seasons in like something like fortnite they're going to do that with like campaigns and stories and we don't know if that's actually true or not but i heard that before the game awards announcement of perfect dark so i'm more inclined to believe that one since it got yeah. leaked ahead of time but, dude, just in of itself, I mean, that's super cool. It's nice to see the Perfect Dark brand come back. I'm I'm of the... Now, I obviously have to, you know, see gameplay whenever it comes out and to kind of see what kind of game mm -hmm. it is. But right now, my I plan on buying it. Like, I just want to support... I want to support Microsoft putting out straight fire IP, like, quality games. And I, if that's what it is, if it gets decent reviews, even, you know, 7, 8 area, I'm going to be like, yeah, this is something I want to support. I'm with you, Brian. I think it's definitely... It'll be the time for me to finally jump into that franchise. Because, I mean, like, I, I missed... I knew it was a big deal back in the 64 days, but, like, I just I missed out on the original... And then when it launched on the 360, I have such a soft spot for that game just because it it makes me think of that era of initial launch titles. Okay, dude. Go ahead. I'm going to call this, and you know that I'm going to be right. Once Perfect Dark comes out and it's been out for a couple weeks or whatever, there's going to be all these huge Perfect Dark fans that either they really were there or new ones come out of the woodwork, either way. And there's going to be some people going... Perfect Dark Zero is the best one in the series. Oh, yeah. And you like, don't really hear I've that. I've always thought that it's a true gem. It's like an underrated game. See, the thing is, it's so like, funny because when that came... I mean, I know where you're coming from with that, and you might be right. But when I played that, man, what little I played of it, I really liked it. Like, I loved it. Really? I beat it. Yeah. and, and I beat it. I, I didn't think it would... Now, I'm not going to say it was... Okay, considering it was like a launch title, 2005 era, I'm not going to say it was garbage, but there's nothing about it that makes it worth going back yeah. to. Well, I understand. Uh, just uh, Where the N64 title was like one of the best games on the console. Yeah. And you know, as much as... It was the evolution of GoldenEye. As much as we're going through this list, and we're, you're going to see that pretty much there's not, not a whole... There's not as many new stuff as there are kind of sequels and continuations of things we already know yeah. and love. Uh, it's been a long time since uh, Perfect Dark has had its has been around the sun. Been a long time. It's been a while. So I think it's I think it's due time for it to come back, and I'm definitely yeah. excited. Yeah, if it's good, I'm buying it for sure. Um, okay, Josh, this one I'm gonna kind of let you uh, express your hype a little more. We're both fans of these series, but Josh is definitely a bigger fan. We got New Dragon Age, New Mass ooh, Effect, ooh. 
from what you've seen of those, like where you think, and plus we got, of course we had the, the two lead people from Bioware that left. So what are your thoughts right now? Which one are you more excited for? Like, what do you kind of think is going to go on with those games? Like at the moment, I'm more excited for Dragon Age, but it, it's so topsy turvy. I think I feel like, you know, by the end of this discussion, even I could be more excited for Mass Effect. I mean, it's honestly, it's, it's 50, 50 really, because Mass Effect has shows Liara. And I think even though she's not one, she, she was never a favorite character of mine. She's just so nostalgia-inducing just by seeing her face, you know, and you have a lot of, you know, we our shepherds have a lot of memories with her. And what it seems to imply of this sort of marriage of, like, potentially having Andromeda elements in there mixed with, like, a sort of Mass Effect 4 vibe going on. I was going to say, when I saw this, I'm like, Josh's got to feel so proud of himself that he completed Andromeda. <laughs> Dude, I loved Andromeda, man. Uh, warts and all it's it's just it's not a bad game it's just got warts it's got really obvious warts what would you give it critically out of ten? seven i'm just curious yeah seven yeah it would. i mean it it's got the it's got the, the open worlds which are beautiful to explore explore the landscapes um it just looks fantastic the sky boxes are among some of the best i've ever seen but it's just got filler quests like out if you look outside the the janky animations and some of the little glitches it's just got a you know filler quest, which is exactly the same way Inquisitions did theirs, you know, where you just had these open worlds that were so beautiful, or these open zones that were beautiful to uh, live in for a bit, but it kind of facilitated this sort of fetch quest like side quest system that wasn't yeah, really. I beat that game, and Josh, we talked about this before. I really did not enjoy Inquisition. Yeah. I I absolutely adored Origins. I thought Dragon Age Two was quite fun despite all the issues. Mm-hmm. And then Inquisition was my least favorite, and I know that's kind of heresy for some people because like Dragon Age Two should be the least favorite, but like no, I, I, I get where you're coming from because you know I feel the same way. I mean, it's I think I can recognize an in Inquisition that there is a good game there, but I think um, it was it in terms of side quests, it was definitely the worst of the three, and even with uh, Andromeda, it was the worst of the four. So I'm excited for this new Mass Effect, and it makes more. Sense. <laughs> wow, does it make all the more sense why? They are doing a Mass Effect remaster trilogy. Like, hey guys, never played Mass Effect before? Well, we got this new Getting one coming ready. out that's got characters that you know and love. What better time to jump in? You know that thing's gonna sell. Oh, like absolutely. Cake. We're and both buying it day one. And with Dragon Age, wow, dude. I mean, I don't, I can't tell of the setting, the setting. I can't tell of the setting. You sound like me when I, I did, say. I did. Uh, Creighton. What's that Creighton? word I say every time Cray- I see your brother? No, important. Oh, important. That's what it is. Uh, yeah, but I can't tell if that's like Thetis or, or, or what, or if we're going to the to Venture Imperium or, or what. But is it going to be? Do you think it's going to have a title, or is it just going to be Dragon Age? I think they're going to have a title. I think. I think same thing. I think the same thing with Mass Effect. Somebody on Twitter, like sarcastically, was like. You know, I don't really know I how I feel it. about the name Mass Effect will continue, but uh, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think it will, but I think they're just, they're just, we're, we're, I think those games are both very far off and that's kind of a bummer. Yeah. Um, like late gen, this gen we just got. Yeah. It's kind of like, I feel like they're in the same situation of that Halo Infinite was like two years ago of we're like, okay guys, we know you're making it, please acknowledge it. And then they're like, okay, we're going to do it. But just so you know. It's gonna be a while, just like uh, Bethesda with uh, the next Elder Scrolls. So, but uh, holy crap, dude, I am really next year's ten years since yeah. Skyrim. But uh, I'm excited for the new Dragon Age. I mean, it sounds like it's more or less confirmed. Varric's gonna be back in your party. Um, it definitely sounds like you're gonna be playing as a new character. Um, I'm a little bummed in one sense. I've always wanted to get the hero of Ferelden back from Origins. Um, I've always I was wanting by the end of Inquisition's DLC. Uh, I was wanting to come back as my Inquisitor, 
but hey, fresh starts are always great, and um, you know I'm eager to see where they take it because there's definitely the implication that he's going to be he or her um, is going to be a sort of zero, a character that doesn't isn't like born into destiny or or falls into chance of this power, you know, and and however they navigate that, it's going to be exciting. So very very, yeah. I, you, you can tell that they've learned a lot from between Inquisition Anthem and then also Mass Effect Andromeda, like. In terms of staying power, and then also just sort of the the aftertaste, and I just think Inquisition had a great story, Andromeda had a good story with great gameplay, but the side quests it just was yeah. they were so lacking in those games, and I, I really hope yeah, to see them s- apply where I stand that experience in these. Where I stand is like when when Andromeda was coming out, I was such a huge fan of the first three that I was like day one, and I bought it day one. You know that sixty dollars day one for Andromeda, never got around to completing it. Part of that's just my own doing. Part of that's because of the bad press. Um, I and to be fair, to your respect, day. I mean, you you've never been as much as, as big into the open world stuff. Like you'll play them and you'll you'll yeah. you'll enjoy them by the end, but it's like it's definitely a chore compared to. Yeah, it can be. Um, and then with Dragon Age, like right now, I don't plan on buying this new Dragon Age, but it would be very easy to convince me because my experience with Dragon Age is, you know, I've been over this a little bit before on the podcast. Origins, I didn't enjoy the combat, but literally everything else about the game was straight fire. Story, characters, quests, whatever. Then Dragon Age 2, you know, we had a lot of problems, but somehow I still really enjoyed that experience. I think the story was you know? very good. Yeah. And then and then Inquisition, I really, I mean, I wasn't even halfway through Inquisition, and I was literally playing it to check it off a list. I just didn't. Personally, it's not even me criticizing the game. I just personally did not enjoy playing mm-hmm. that game. Um, oh, so totally I, right now, Mass Effect Day One probably Dragon Age. Just Do you think it's going to get you to want to play Andromeda at all? Kind of power through that, or no? I think I think if Mass Effect, this new Mass Effect, inevitably coming out, like we're in that year staring it down. There's no way I let myself get there without beating Andromeda. That's cool. I think by the end of Andromeda, like even if you just literally do a beeline through the main quest, I think you'll be like, you know what? Definitely, still not as good as the trilogy, but like this deserves its place. The funny thing is, Josh, I can probably start in drama in 2024 and still beat it before. The- <laughs> I mean, let's be real. Yeah. Let's be real. That's like I'm talking three ish, three and a half years, and or also still in COVID time. So Brian and I always have an inside yeah. joke about how fast he beats games because he just kind of drones through the main story to consume the actual meaty plot. And and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's always been we're just we're so different with that, and uh, it's just funny. All right, Josh, we got two major gaming talking points left, the two biggest okay. ones, and then we'll move into our movies and TV section, um, which there's an absolute... <laughs> That's a thick section. <clears throat> That's a thick boy with uh, 18 Cs, <laughs> and it makes me go... Hoo, hoo, tut, tut, tut. <laughs> um, 18 Cs, wow. That's, that's a lot, like, yeah, that's what I was processing. That's a big wow. boy. That's a boy on it. Like that's like a burger that's like a got like truck. twenty patties, and you're just like, why even put buns on it? I need a, a knife oh, and a fork. You always gotta have buns, baby. <laughs> that's right. Um, all right, Josh. We're gonna. We, you might hear Josh get on a soapbox here. We're gonna go with this. So, as you all know, the Game Awards, the winner of the Game of Year Game of the Year award was The Last of Us Two, and I'm gonna pass over to Josh quickly here because I don't have much to say. Uh, my opinion on Last of Us Two is. I haven't I haven't played it yet. Um, I enjoyed the first game, thought it was very good, and I have looked up almost all the spoilers for Last of Us Two, and in my opinion, it still seems pretty darn good, um, and it looks like a fun game, and it's one that I plan to play through and beat eventually. Um, I think all the games that were nominated for Game of the Year 
deserved game of the year, but only one gets to win it. Mm -hmm. So I don't think there's any problem with Last of Us 2 winning. I think it was fair. I don't think it was paid off or something silly like that. I just think it was a good game that that, that earned its place. And, um, you know, the, the most negative sway I can give it is that if you got anybody who's watched the Oscars, you know that, like, there's certain movies that are very much what they call Academy bait, which doesn't make them bad at all. It's just you can kind of tell when a movie has that kind of academy bait to it. Mm -hmm. And Last of Us has become kind of the, you know, um, Game Awards bait in a sense. Like, it's that type of game. It really kind of, uh, it's so um, thought, it's so compelling and, and the world and the characters and it just fits that. But yeah, I think it was fair. And uh, But Josh has played it and I'll just pass over to him. Josh, what's your thoughts on this whole like deal with it winning Game of the Year? I'm going to try to bear in mind that, you know, just, People listening potentially did not like that game. Uh, yeah, I loved it. And I think uh, as much as I'm enjoying playing Cyberpunk right now, as much as I've anticipated that game, literally here having taken a week off vacation to play it, I think I'm going to walk away with Last of Us 2 being my personal game of the year. And, you know, look, I understand a lot of people were just ready to not like this game from the get-go because they didn't like the character of Abby. And, you know, she kills Joel and people love Joel if you played the first one. Um, you know, he's, he's just an iconic, like, PlayStation character at this point. I guess they're spoilers. Well, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, well, I thought about that before I said it, and I thought I don't really need to say it because enough time has passed. And, and people who yeah. people who know about this game or, or care to listen about this part, uh, they already know. People who love it beat it. People who hate it know that yeah, it's not. Yeah, so, uh, but the thing is, is that if you pl whether you play it or you're watching somebody else play it, the whole premise of that plot is about revenge and how it, that having that motivation can rot you from within the sort of jealousy or just any of those sort of toxic traits because the whole premise is by the time you get to the end of the game and you've experienced both Ellie and Abby's side of things, there's a chance I mean, you have this sort of one-on-one -on -one fight with Abby who's like already kind of like on the cusp of death. She's just very malnourished and everything. And Ellie realizes, like, as much as she hates this person and has been driven by this person for so long and she's gone on this journey, she realizes the juice just isn't worth the squeeze. Like, it just it's not worth it. And that's just such a compelling story to me to have someone who's on a revenge kick get to a point where they realize, like, this isn't what I wanted. Like, I thought this is what I wanted, but there's a sense of clarity. And, I mean, it, it just the way it sort of explores that and you get to see her sort of relationship with Joel, I mean... It's not like, look, you go and you go from, I'm going to say this and we'll kind of, we can move on. But when you play the first game, you get to see their growing relationship, like how they have sort of had that father daughter dynamic and how great it is. Well, in the second one, you just see from the get go that these guys don't get along and you kind of piece together why that happened. And you learn that once she found out of what he did in the, at the end of the first game, she's pissed and she hates him for it. And it's sad, and a lot of people are like, oh, we don't like we feel you betray the characters. Look, it's just, I mean, it's, it's real life. It's like real life, you know? Like, things don't always happen the way we think. Like, you watch movies, and you see, or The Office, and you see Jim and Pam get married. Well, sometimes characters like that, in real life, get a divorce. Like, these things happen, and things, people have a falling out. And not a whole lot of games try to tell this sort of, like, a, a toxic story like explore it in a healthy way of why this is bad you know and i really personally liked that i was riveted and i also just liked that they expanded upon the game like it was 
it took the gameplay elements that were fun but not sort of deep and it gave them depth and it, it made it a lot of fun to explore and I felt rewarded for it as a player. So I had so much fun with that game and if people don't like it, that's fine, but it's just most people who don't like it already wanted to hate it and you know most people who don't like it aren't really kind about how they communicate that so i yeah, think, I it think it's worth asking i don't i, I think every I think one of those worth, games did but i don't know yeah i think it's worth asking yourself why you did or did not want a game to win because what me and my wife wanted to win game of the year was final fantasy 7 remake now is that because i think it was objectively the best game that came out this year no, not at all. It's because it's my favorite one. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there's so many people who, the one I see get, I mean, all of them have been mentioned, but the one I see get mentioned the most is like, you know, Doom Eternal. I love Doom Eternal as well, but like, did you want Doom Eternal to win because, did Doom Eternal do something so good that it's almost objective that Last of Us shouldn't have won? Like, if you ask yourself that question, I think the answer is a clear no. Like, they're both great. They're both deserving. You may have wanted Doom Eternal. I may have wanted Final yeah. Fantasy, but well, here, here's, Last of Us. Here's won. the thing, too, like to keep in mind for those who who maybe know only the broad strokes. You start the game as Ellie, and you get about 20 hours in. Well, that's probably not that's probably not accurate, but uh, you get about somewhere maybe 10 hours in, and you're getting to you literally get to the point where Ellie runs into Abby and confronts her, and just as that happens. Boom, the game hits reset, and you go and you literally start playing as Abby, preceding the events of her killing Joel. And you get the whole, you play through the next 10 hours as her, and then you switch back to Ellie for like another five. So it does this sort of A, B, and C sort of tier, and it is just so compelling. Like, don't get me wrong, I was, I was share playing this um, on PlayStation with a friend who watched me play through the whole thing. He didn't like Abby. Um, he didn't enjoy the Abby side of things too much, but he was able to still recognize that, like, hey, this is really good. And so I understand people that didn't like it. But, again, it was very unique. A lot of games haven't been done that way, and I just thought it was very compelling. I was so immersed in it, and I think the the message is very thought-provoking. So, look, I think Doom Eternal was great. I played that and beat it, bought it day one. Final Fantasy VII Remake, loved it, played it, beat it. Um, I haven't played Haze. You know, I, I, I can't remember if there were any others in the running for Game of the Year. Brian, do you know? Uh, was it was Ghost of Tsushima? Oh, yes, it was. And I haven't played that, but I want to. But So I think, that, hey, they were all deserving of it. But if I, I'm trying to be as objective as possible, I feel like some listening might be like, come on, you're biased. But trying to speak as objective as possible, I think it's simply because they tried to do something different and tell a more complex story that isn't always really told in gaming. Yeah. And they tried to push that. Well... I just I try to I always try to I think we both on this on this podcast we always try to be introspective of our feelings and thoughts and it's like what what makes me not want something to win? You know what I mean? Like do I honestly believe I, I do I honestly believe all those games that were nominated were good games that deserve to be there? I really do. So if that if that if that fact is true, what's there left to talk about? I know people want to say, and I'm not going to get into the, the details because I don't think it's beneficial, but like people want to say, oh, maybe it's because of some political or social idea that this thing won. I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible. There's no influence there, but like if the games themselves are all good and worthy, 
if that one wins, is that a problem? Right. Uh, yeah, and I agree with I echo that sentiment. And I know that that one has a pub more public uh, development cycle that people know about that wasn't good. And I'm not making any excuses for that. Um, you know, I think a lot of development studios go through. Uh, some go through less, some go through even worse, but we just happen to know about theirs the same way we know about uh, Bungie's with Halo 2, for example. But the game, the core game itself, just the experience as a gamer of playing through that um, was really special and uh, something I'm going to remember for a long time. And, and I understand that's not for everyone, but uh, I, th- I feel like it was objectively good. And you know what? I did not like that Joel died. I was I could not even believe that they actually killed him as, like within the first hour of the game. Um, that sucked. And you know what? I didn't want to play as Abby. But, uh, you know, I walked away being glad that I got to experience sort of the villain story. And kudos to them for trying to do that, to, to literally force you to play as somebody uh, who kills someone that you love. That's literally like, I, I don't know, I mean, th- take your favorite franchise, take something like Halo, take something like a Star Wars game, and, and, and just think of a character you know and love, and imagine some new character coming in and killing them, and then them saying, okay, now you got to play as this person. And we're going to explore this person's mentality. Yeah, dude. I was thinking about this at work today in regards to The Last of Us. And I'm like, what if in the new God of War, um, God of War Ragnarok, which I know you haven't played. I can't um, wait to play that, though. Oh, my goodness. It's so good. I know you haven't played the first one. But you in the first game, you meet – she's like – I'm sorry for those of you you know I'm saying this wrong. But, like, uh, she's actually in, like, mythology. Uh, Freya, she's like a Norse goddess or whatever. Well, you meet her in – the first one in the first okay. god of war yeah and she has a son and i'm like wouldn't it be crazy if in ragnarok i'm not saying i want this because i don't but wouldn't it be crazy if in ragnarok not far into the game kratos literally dies and then you play as freya a mother yeah. instead of a father like wouldn't that be no, another, I don't, like, actually and you crap, just people would be so you maybe think brian like in some ways that the, that aspect of last of us 2 mirrors a lot of like halo 2 like you literally play as the enemy Arbiter, you play as the yeah. enemy and they're like okay now you're going to experience their side of the story and then yeah you do get to go back and play as the good guy or sort of the the, the character you know and love but uh it kind of jumps around with that but you know i think too it's just it's also a case of a lot of people that the whole plot had leaked and bullet point wise it did sound really bad i felt that way myself even though i was still trying to be optimistic but then you also have you know, there's a whole different argument for another time to be said about experiencing a game yourself versus watching someone else experience it. And if you're watching someone else experience it, chances are you're watching someone you like and respect. So when you see them react a certain way, whether it's positive or negative, you're going to be a bit, little bit influenced by how they react. So you might, you're going to, you're going to be more inclined to feel a bit similar with them and get on that wavelength rather than decide for yourself. And I'm telling you guys, like, I, I don't know if, I mean, I'm sure it's it's different with every game, but I honestly think The Last of Us 2 is such an intimate, personal experience that it, you can't get the same gauge on it watching someone else play it. But I loved it, and final thoughts on that are I'm, I'm really happy it won, but I, I, I know a lot of people didn't like it, and I want to be respectful of that, so I think every game that was in the running deserved it, and to that end, uh, you know, it's been a crazy, crappy year for everyone, but uh, damn, did we get some good games. And I'm really grateful. For I'm really grateful for that Game of the Year list because, boy, did that look good. And, boy, did that show that look at all these games that pleased people and helped them get through this year. Yeah, that's another thing. I don't really have – I didn't really plan to talk about this much, but I'll just say I thought 
personally, and I'm not saying I'm right. I, I just thought the Game Awards this year was just fantastic. It's personally Super my good. favorite. I game. mean, I know it was like different, my favorite pandemic one ever. and stuff, but like, man. I thought it was better because of the pandemic. I thought he put on a better show be- because of the situation. I, that's probably a hot take, but I just really loved it. Um, you know, one other thing I wanted to say, like, I can't, it's not right of me to make any judgments or assumptions as to what people's motivations are, but I've also seen plenty of people who they played Last of Us 2 going into it knowing they hated it. But they played it and beat it so that they can now legitimize their hatred of the game. You know, I I played it, I beat it, so the game sucks. It didn't deserve it, and I can say that fairly because I beat it. Yes and no is my opinion. Yes, you're entitled to your opinion, and your opinion's more warranted if you've beaten the game. You know, like Josh right now, he beat it. I I haven't played it, so of course Josh's opinion has more credibility. That is true, but. If you know in your head that you went into that game with the intention of hating it and you wanted to have that credit at the end that you hated it and you beat it, I mean, you kind of kind of admit to yourself that, like, you have your own agenda there. You know what I mean? Like, so that's on you. Like, that's not on me. I can't say if you have an agenda or not, or I'm not, I'm not talking to anyone specific. But you know, I'll, I'll, just ask yourself, because I've done that. I've watched a movie and been like, I'm going to hate this and I hate it. And then I watch it and I'm like, yeah, it sucks. And I can tell you it does because I watched it. You <laughs> yeah, know what I mean? I'll say this, like... You know, to Last of Us 2, uh, it definitely is a story that didn't need to be told. But I tell you what, we live in an era of sequels and reboots, and none of those need to be told, but we're getting them. And you know what? Uh, it, it doesn't need to be told in the sense that, uh, you know, I, I feel like the the ending of the first game was pretty open and shut, you know, for theater of their mind. Like, you can kind of just speculate on what happened. But this story told uh, something much more nuanced, and it wasn't, a, it wasn't like a, a sort of plot that you needed to that's essential for the last of us core experience but at the same time it is so riveting and it's so deep and nuanced that it does kind of make it essential it's just i I think that's my biggest takeaway with that game is like if any of you guys on the fence with it and you've heard so many bad things don't listen to those people and just decide for yourself like with any game because it's it does a lot in that game that a lot of other games haven't done and I love whenever games are able to do that and pull it off successfully because that is such a gamble nowadays in the era we live in. And I was very appreciative of that experience. You know, one thing, one thing too, that I've learned the hard way, and I, I understand if people can't get over this, I think it's actually completely fair, but it's nice when you can. The whole concept of new game made me hate old game. Uh, you know, yes. like I've done that. I've done that so many times in my life, and it's really I see it. I see it the most with Halo, yep. where people five go, you know, oh, I loved Bungie, Halos, but four and five ruined them. Or I loved Halo Four, but five ruined four. You know, and people, a lot of people are like, Last of Us One is one was one of, if not the favorite game of their lives, and then they get two, and they say the first game's ruined. Now, if you do have that opinion, I think that's completely fair because sometimes it's really hard to separate that in your head. But for me. In time, I've learned to be able to view things in a vacuum. I loved Halo 4 story, yep. so it's okay that I don't like fives. Well, you notice people, to too, me, don't often you know? want to get super specific about things. It's like when the Star Wars prequels to the sequels now have had that journey where like most people will acknowledge Revenge of the Sith is a, is a good film. Whether you, you don't even have to think it's amazing. But it's not horrible. It's not a horrible film. Competent enough. And, it, and, it, and it's good. 
But then people will still say the prequels suck because it's just easier to say it takes less words and yeah. uh, it takes less time. Well, and you and you've said this before, Josh. You want you want to legitimize your opinion more by being broad. Yeah. If you say Last of Us Two had incredible graphics and fun gameplay, but the story was garbage. A lot of people don't want to say that because they've legitimized that aspects of the game are good. They'd rather just say Last of Us 2 is garbage because it makes it one whole statement. You yeah, know? you kind of want to like verbally write history on that, like write the stamp on yeah. that and that make that. It's like thing. I mean, it's just like Halo 5 as well. You know, everybody, you know, Halo 5, are, I think now it's finally getting a little more love in time. But Halo 5, including myself, you know, I, I hadn't learned this lesson yet when it came out. I was just like, Halo 5 is garbage. Hate it. It sucks. Yeah. Well, truth be told, I loved the gameplay. I loved the multiplayer, and several of the missions were a blast. But the story was so bad that I just wrote the whole thing off because I didn't want, I didn't, I was so irritated about the story. I didn't want 343 to hear back, this was, you know, five years ago. I didn't want 343 to hear that they did a great job on the gameplay or a great job on the multiplayer. All I wanted them to hear was, you made a shitty game because I wanted the story to be better. I wanted them to hear it so hard and so vile that it would make sure they fix their problems. Right. And that's not the way to go about it at all. No. Especially, you know, like, if you really truthfully think, like, the gameplay and the multiplayer is good, you want to tell them that. You want to keep, you want more of that, you know? So, yeah. It's just, you know, we've been over the stuff before. It's just like, you know, Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker and, you know, Last Jedi it. changed it's a lot of things. It's definitely one of those things, things that and, it's a discussion in of itself. It's reoccurring. Did we have anything else for gaming, it, though? Uh, the last gaming is the biggest topic, Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk. Josh, I'll just let you take this whole Welcome thing away because it's been your game this year. Man, guys, I've waited for this thing for ages. I have gone through the Jurassic period, the Triassic period. I've gone through it all waiting for this game to come out. And it finally, finally released. And the Chili cheese I am, Ooh, that's what that is? Um... Uh, so yeah, I it's out and it's obviously having a crap ton of issues. Um, I mean that's the elephant in the room. Uh, it's not running well on pretty much every system. Although if you have the Series X, uh, it sounds like it's running the best even uh, compared to the PS5. But between the two of those, outside of the PC, that's your best bet. But if you're someone who's playing on any one of the Xbox One consoles or any one of the PS4 consoles, you're having a rough time. And I saw that they just, uh, prior to us recording, just released a, a patch. I'm sure that's not going to fix all of it, but hopefully that does address I think it. Was P- I think it was all systems except Xbox, actually. Okay. I read it. Yeah, so uh, I, I'm hopeful that stuff improves. That's the elephant in the room, and I acknowledge that. But I will say, guys, what's there? Wow, am I excited, and wow, am I having a good time. This is exactly what I was waiting for, and I'm just so happy to be in this world. I love... Uh, I am not someone who... Um, enjoys uh now as much as i love mad max Fury road great film love that film i don't typically go for the sort of post-apocalyptic setting it doesn't do much for me um just because it's dry and barren and i admit that i admit my biasness with that but i I love a dystopian cyberpunk futuristic setting things like blade runner things like uh altered carbon uh, things like Fifth Element, uh, Valerian, a lot of these sorts of, of things. I love that setting. I love those aesthetics and just that futuristic world. There's so much fun to explore, and it's so colorful and vibrant. And I was so anticipating this game when they first, I mean, the announcement trailer that had been just sitting there for years was cool. But once we finally got that 2018, I think 45 minute demo, I was just like, I'm here. I'm for this. I'm committed. Day one by. Um, 
I'm loving it though. I'm loving it. I've only got to play a couple hours, and I actually didn't tell you, Brian, but I did. I started off with a male V Corpo, and I want to play it a couple hours, but I literally today just decided I'm going to restart because I actually really wanted to initially play as a female, but at the but as soon as the game was like coming out, I was like, oh, I kind of want to have that personal experience where I can inject my like my own feelings into the character. Well, I can yeah. still do that playing as a female. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go start over. I, I want to play as a female V. So I've got a um, the Nomad female V, and I gotta say, between the two, the Nomad intro was definitely a lot better than the Corpo one. I was a little little underwhelmed by the Corpo one, but uh, I'm enjoying this. Uh, I can't wait to get back to it. I really can't wait. Yeah, I actually, and I got. I, so you're you said you're kind of you were starting your character then, basically. Yes. Yeah, I'm pretty so much I'm in got the same caught boat up as, to where I was with my first one. I'm in the same boat as Josh, where I'm starting over, but mine's more comical. Uh, I decided to make a male V um, Nomad as well. Nice. I read the stuff and I thought Nomad seemed most like me, I guess. Well, it definitely has a better um, concept of like you living on the outskirts of the city and then kind of entering. That's very much how we are yeah. as players. So. Yeah. So um, to keep this as least crude as possible, as you many of you know, most of you probably don't care, but some of you I'm sure do. Um, you know, this game is the first game to have you like when you create your character, you can edit your genitalia. I don't think it's the first game to do it. I think Conan Exiles and stuff did that too. But, okay. but yeah. Well, I mean. you can choose, you know, you can choose your genitalia or whatever. Well, for me, I was like, you know, it's not why I play games. I don't care about that. I think it's a little silly. I don't hate it or anything, but I just think it's a little silly. So I was like, you know what? There's an option in the character creator to just bypass that and not choose your genitalia or whatever. So I was like, I'm just going to do that. So I did that. And then... I am two hours deep into the game, and I don't know if it was... I, th- I don't think it was a glitch, but I'm not sure why it happened. I went into the bathroom of V's apartment, and I chose to look in the mirror. And when I looked in the mirror, my character was naked. <laughs> and when I looked in the mirror, I was naked, and I looked at my crotch, and I had a Ken doll. <laughs> I love that's the phrasing my, you go with for that. My, my my character has no genitalia at all. Period. It's just flat. Like I remember plastic. seeing a Kendall as a kid, and I was like, "That's weird. Like he don't look like me." <laughs> yeah, he don't got that thing down there. Yeah. So I'm in this really. So so I'm staring at the I'm looking in the mirror at my Kendall crotch, mm-hmm. and I'm like irritated because I'm like, you know, I don't care about genitalia in a game, and I've played Skyrim and Fallout and all these games where you didn't choose. But now the game has assigned to me no genitalia because I chose not to choose one, and that bothered me. And I'm like, you know what? I don't want to replay these two hours of gameplay. I, but I was frustrated, so I was like, okay, let's just Brian, try to soldier on. I literally go outside, go down an elevator, accidentally throw a grenade and kill a civilian, and then my game crashes to dashboard. <laughs> so I just decided, I just decided I'm going to restart my character. I'm going to make sure he has. A male part down there. I know that's ridiculous, but I'm going to. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll just replay up to that point. So yeah, to kind of to get off of that though, um, I think the big thing right now is yeah, the game has a lot of technical issues on all platforms, but it's almost unbearable on like original Xbox yeah. One, PS4, um, and that that is like technically like on a technical term that's definitely unacceptable. It definitely seems like it needed some more time in regards that. to that. Yeah. But I can speak from a different perspective of Josh. This is like Josh's most hyped game, the thing he's been waiting for. For me, I thought it looked good. I thought I'd probably buy it, but I didn't have as much hype. Uh, two hours of playing it, I'm like, this is really solid, really cool, really fun. And I think it's like, I think it's more or less 
it's only two hours, so I can't, you know, you can't take my words as final, but like, I think it's more or less the game people were hoping for, and I think it's one of these issues where it's like, okay, so some people are saying like the game's overhyped, or over, like it's over-exaggerated, the hype for the game. Here's my thoughts, Josh, I don't know if you'll agree with me. My thoughts are, the game was so significantly hyped for so long, long before it was playable and released, that in a sense, I can agree with the term overhyped in that like it's been hyped to all get out before anyone's even had a chance to play it. And it's not the sequel to a Cyberpunk 2076 or something. You know what I mean? Like it's not a sequel. So it's like there's been all this hype. So I guess what I would say is, and I think this is kind of like, I don't know what the word is, like a double entendre or something. Like what I'm about to say doesn't actually make any doesn't make any sense, but like I think it was overhyped before it launched because like the amount of hype didn't match what we had to go off of. But now that I'm playing the game, it seems like barring the technical issues, it seems like the game is delivering on what people wanted from it. So that's where I'm conflicted because I'm like, I do think it was overhyped prior to release. I do, I do feel that way. But if the game ends up being what you expected and hoped it to be, that kind of by that kind of makes it not overhyped. So, you know what I'm trying to say. Hey, but yeah, you know, and even I, though I, I feel think differently, like I respect that. I mean, I, I appreciate you trying to be, you know, explain that too. Because, I mean, most people are so. It's like when Master Chief Collection come out came out, and I was so pissed. And you know, it, it is really hard. You can't even. We can, can barely experience the game. It's definitely understand. It's understandably not as bad as MCC. right, but. You know, I'm trying to be trying to look at this as objective as possible. Like when MCC comes out and it's in a broken state, it is definitely hard to say there's a good game here, even though I can't play it because it's so riddled with performance issues and stuff. So I understand where people's frustrations are with Cyberpunk. This is a game that people were waiting for and anticipating like no other you know, this was very much our Red Dead Redemption 2 of this year, you know, where it the game is so popular, it supersedes gaming and people who don't play the games know about it. Yep. It's a, so yeah. I understand the frustrations with that, um, because if you can't experience a game you've been anticipating, like if you if it's literally sitting in front of you saying, Haha, you can't play me, I'm not going to work. You know, that's infuriating. Um, and that's like Chinese water torture, you know. So it, it, it's tough, and I empathize with that because I mean I, I've had I remember getting into the club, this one club in the beginning of the Corpo story, and I literally see this woman there standing there in a T pose, and I'm like, oh shit, and you know I'm like, T pose ain't a glitch, it's a state of mind. But really deep down, <laughs> I thought, oh, that sucks. I thought that, that kind of sucks seeing that. And I had a couple bit of pop in. Uh, one point, Jackie walked through a wall, and I was like, Jackie, wait for the door to open. You know, I'm yeah. like, come on, yep. but. All that aside, I mean, look, there's a good game there, and I think it's 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 guys that will. I honestly think we'll probably do an episode on this at some point, but I think it really goes to show that I, I'm more. My problem is more with the people. Uh, I'm really disappointed in just just how people react because it's like developers are damned if they do, damned if they don't. Because this is a case of this game was announced so early on, and you can tell that it obviously grew and expanded as they were developing it. But people had waited so long for this game, and we had experienced so many delays that the last one nearly just put a lot of us off. And they they're back. they even said it, I think, in like an earnings or investors call or something like that after the last one, that they weren't 
uh, entirely confident about the December 10th release date, but they're going to basically move hell and high water to make it happen. And it came out, and you can tell this game probably needed another year of development. And even if not a year, it needed a long time. It wasn't done yet. You know, do you want to say something, Brian? I don't want well, to keep going if you got to say something. Well, I mean, it's crazy you say a year. I was thinking maybe a solid three months or four months. Even then, yeah. Even in the least, like something like that. It's it's just clear that it, it it did need more time in the oven. It wasn't completely ready. And again, we're living in a pandemic, and obviously, you know, there's an argument to be made of of how much further progressed it could have been had had you know this year not been the way it's been but you know i, I just I th- go ahead yeah well I, I think there's only one objective statement that i can make and i make it all the time and you're going to hear it over and over again objectively there's there's never a reason to be disrespectful that's my thing so now you might say the game's overhyped or maybe you'll say the game's not very good and that might irritate josh or i because we might not agree <laughs> it's okay though it's okay that's I disagree that's okay. That's okay. But but what in my the only thing that in my opinion is not okay is being disrespectful, not showing well, that's, respect. And that's not just Cyberpunk. That's Last of Us Two. That's Halo Infinite. That's why I don't agree with the overhype. It's like I can understand, even though I disagree with you, Brian. Like I understand where you're coming from with how you feel it was overhyped in your way. I definitely understand. Well, basically, I'm just saying that like there was I, there was no way to prove the hype until it yeah. came out. I guess. Well, it's just I get. I mean, all I'm trying to say is is that. Fans had waited so long for this game, and it was just getting the delays. It was getting to a point where it's not, it's not funny anymore. The whole mentality of, "Hey, we understand, guys. You know, do what you got to do." It was just, it, it was getting frustrating. Their backs were against the wall, and you could tell that it was pretty much like now or never release this game. And yeah, I mean, I will say to their discredit, like they clearly, I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but they did not release some of this stuff early for reviewers and to my understanding, not as early as they should have. Uh, and now you can kind of see why. And for a company that kind of prides themselves on being consumer friendly, that was not the most consumer friendly choice to do that on its own is a whole different topic. And that's, I understand people's frustration frustrations with that, but just the core game itself. I mean, these guys worked on this game for so long. Look, they didn't want the game. They don't want the narrative right now to be like this game. Can't I can't even play your game? I can't even I can't even play it. It's not like three four three was sitting there scheming, going Master Chief Collection won't work. We just wait and see. You know, it's not like they, these guys have these agendas. You don't spend this long working on these things to have pe- to, to to know it's going to shit on people, and and they're not even going to get to enjoy it. What's the What's the point of investing that in your job? That's, what, that's not how you run a business. These guys don't have some ulterior motive. I mean, look, it sucks for them. Imagine how crestfallen they must be right now, knowing that this game they poured blood, sweat, and tears into, and, you know, maybe, like, ended lost relationships because of lost sleep, and and, and maybe gained weight, you know, went through bad health situations, whether mental or physical. Like, all these different things, you know, I mean, we hear so much about how making a game can even just pretty much kill people. You watch things like um, Raising Kratos, and you see what they go through, and it's just, it is tough, and we don't know anything about what that stuff is like. And it's just they were in a catch twenty two with that position. Release it now or never. That's what what you're saying is what it was. What ties me into being respectful because, like Josh said, you don't really know. You know, we we always think we know because we have an insider source that leaks to Twitter. Me they like, know something from internal. What is it? Maybe MTV you know? Cribs or something back in the day. It was like you think you know, but you have no idea. <laughs> it was one of those MTV shows. Really, I don't know. Go ahead, Brian. I'm, yeah, I'm, we really don't know. We really don't know that yeah. stuff, you know. So that's why it's like always be respectful like that. You, you can express you, you don't like the game. You can express that you think it's unfair the way they released it, 
but there's a way to do that. Like if you say, if you say like, if you're like tweeting like to Cyberpunk official, you're like, guys, I really don't think you should have released the game in the state. It just wasn't ready. I think that's acceptable. Yeah. But if you're saying you're effing hacks who scammed me, what the f is your problem? You had eight years. Come on now, would you talk to your like friends and family like that? And yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I look like even if you even if you tweeted to them and said like, I waited for this for eight years and you guys told me this was going to be playable on these consoles, you know, on this gen, and and I have waited. And I look, you guys broke my heart with this. This really sucks. Like it's understandable yeah. to feel that way. You have every right to feel that way. But uh, you know, it's just it, it again. It, there's there's just the meat and potatoes of how you communicate to somebody says a lot about you as a person. And even though you're frustrated, like there's a level of maturity and level headedness you need to, you need to have about it. You're going to get through an argument with somebody, the more empathizing and the more communicative and calm you can be, even though that's tough. So in this situation, the more you can maybe express that you're brokenhearted, the more you can express that you're hurt or this, that this is really just bumming you out, the more that they're going to try to get on this and fix this shit rather than just yelling at them because uh, that's that's abusive. I'm sorry. I'm not, I have no excuse for that shit. Like if, it, if someone's yelling at me telling me to fix my quote-unquote effing game, like at that point, even though I should, I'm like, forget it. You know, I'm like, what? Yeah, what I'm, why? Yeah. Why fix it for someone who seems so you know, cool? It's crazy how many times like I've got like a random like comment on the Sacred Icon Twitter that's like, Somebody will be like, you guys are effing 343 shills. And what I want to, what you know, internally in my head, what I want to say is something really negative back to them because I think it's so disrespectful mm-hmm. what they said to me. But there's been times where I've went, I've said something like, you know, nuanced. I've been like, you know, Halo 5 had a really terrible story. It really did. But man, was that gameplay good. And then you'll see the demeanor of that person change entirely because I'll meet their you awfulness empathize. with yeah. goodness. And then you can see their whole tone. They'll, they'll message me back, and they're like, "Yeah, I guess you're right. I was just really frustrated with blah 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 blah." And then they get, and then they, then they follow me. When you're able to like, meet people on the same you know, level of what they're feeling or experiencing, and then tether that to your own personal feelings, you notice the conversation, the, like the sort of RPG dialogue. Will you notice it open up in real life with people? So it's just, it's really there's a lot to to be said about empathy. Um, and it's not to be understated. Overall, with Cyberpunk, though, uh, just the core game itself, uh, I'm really glad I'm actually having fun playing it. You know, I get pre-release anxiety with every game, and, you know, I I really thought with this one, I I initially heard, like, hey, the main quest, if you just beeline it, it's like 20 hours and stuff like that. And for me, waiting, like, eight years, I'm like, ugh, 20 hours? I'm like, that long for that? Like, just of a beeline compared to something like The Witcher, even? But different games and stuff like that and, and, and different ambitions and, and stuff. So um, once I kind of just wrapped my brain around that more, I was like, okay, playing what it, it for what it is. Like, I am freaking loving this game. I am so immersed in the world. I love that, like, I could be in an elevator and it's playing, like, damn television shows. It almost reminds me of, like, yeah, GTA. Cool. I love the radio Oh, the radio music so good. And I was driving around a bit as the Nomad initially. And then even as a corpo, I'm, like, seeing all these, like, sharp aesthetics of people who are just, like, they dress so aesthetically pleasing, but they have such hollow personalities, you know, in this corporate world and stuff. And I'm just like, dude, I'm so into this culture. Like, I, I'm just in this atmosphere. Yeah, I very much... Like, I'm going off of literally, like, almost nothing. So, like, when I eventually finish this game and you guys get my actual finished opinion, it could be way different. But right now, I'm like, right now, my feeling is I kind of feel like I just got, like, a sci-fi Bethesda game. 
and it kind of feels like it's it's gonna it feels to me already like a solid at least eight out of ten. If I would agree with that, and I would agree with that. I cannot tell yet myself if I if it, like the sort of my subjective versus objective feelings of like where I think it, if this can reach a nine or a ten. But I can say at least on a base level, there is a lot to love here. Like if you if we could just yeah. get to the point where the game was like fixed performance wise, performance wise, yeah, that is definitely a solid eight out of ten game at least. So yeah. and it seems. It seems to me like I feel like I have a lot more um, leniency on the issues of bugs in the PC and the Series X and the PS5 version. I feel like I have a lot more leniency there because we're in a COVID year and it's a big game and it's a hard That's time. That's where I'm at. I think, That's where I, I'm at. I think for me, the, the, the point of contention where I, I start to waver into the you guys kind of did something wrong is the, the original Xbox One PS4 versions because... Now, once again, being respectful because I don't know the behind the scenes, my impression as a consumer is they were announced for these consoles, the game budget is extremely high, and it's reliant on selling copies on those Mm -hmm. consoles. So to me, it seems like even though they knew they should have not released it on those consoles, for good PR as far as still releasing it on those consoles, and also for making money, they did it anyways. But I don't know that, and I, hopefully they can fix it up a bit, but it definitely seems like if you're playing on an OG Xbox One or PS4, you're not having a good time. Well, look, I mean, so. I don't want to spend too much time talking about this, but, I mean, the same argument can now be applied to Halo Infinite. And I'm seeing people already that are kind of saying, like... Potentially. We don't right, know that correct. for sure, no, right? to be clear, yeah. but... You know, I'm seeing people already say, like, I hope, you know, they should just drop the Xbox One version. I, I totally get that, and I, I think I do agree with that, but I know it's just not that simple. I don't know if that's going to happen. I think happen. it's fair that you agree with that. But, I don't. Okay, but okay totally fair. I, but I my, that, but, uh, All I'm trying to get to with that, um, regardless of whichever side of the fence you're on with that, is just um, I definitely prefer when a developer can just sort of commit to one thing. Like I, I, I don't know what it's like to make a game, but I remember once I saw gameplay of Cyberpunk, I was like, I can, and you could still tell it was far off at that point. I thought, please just make it a next gen title. Like don't try to tether it to this current gen that by the time this game comes out, is going to be kind of old. Like it is like, here's the thing too. Even, even though the game looks far better on PC from what I've seen, Brian and I are both playing on a series X and it does look fantastic, but it's not, I wouldn't say it's jaw dropping gorgeous at times. Other times it I is. I agree. Yeah. It's kind of, in, it's kind of in between, but Every time I think that, I find myself think, reminding myself, this is technically a last gen game. You know what I mean? So yeah. we're uh, and we, so we don't have the patch for right. So either. it's uh, and I'm not a graphics guy anyway. So to me, it just looks it great. does. You know, it like, looks super. Good. I can tell that it's not jaw dropping. Like I honestly, oh, yeah. my jaw dropped more at Horizon. Dude, I I, I, want, I walked by this cook so. and had some spaghetti uh, and and stuff like that, and it was all pi- oh, not pixelated. It was all like a. Uh, had these like rough edges around it, and I thought to myself, "What is this Shamu bullshit?" Like in this 2020 <laughs> video game, I was like, "Come on, guys!" But you know what? I understand, uh, guys. I freaking am in love with that game. I'm so excited to get back to playing it. I'm going to play it tonight. I'm excited to play um, it too. So, and I know, I know everything sucks, guys. But I, I just want to focus on the positives. That's what we always try to do here on the podcast. I know everything sucks, guys. But well, I want to be, I want to be empathetic because the thing is, you know, we understand that. You know, a lot of you guys don't have Series X's or or PS5s or PCs that you're able to run this. And Brian and I, uh, you know, we we spent the money uh, to play a, to to buy a Series X. We're playing it on the Series X. It's running the best on the Series X. I understand that people are having far worse experiences than we are with that. 
So I understand the first, I definitely understand the frustrations, but wow, is that a good game? There's a good game there and I can't wait for them to fix that. So everybody can get to experience that like we deserve to out the gate. I'm loving it though. Josh, give me a little movies and TV jingle. Movies and TV. Wait, no, no, no. Hang on. Let me break it. That was on. That was two on the spot. Let's see. Let's see. I don't want to do that. I was going to break it down like the questions and answers to right from the Twitter. Movies and TV. Movies and TV. Movies and TV. It's where we talk about movies. We talk about TV. I say, oh man, I was starting to film Michael Jackson with that. Oh, Brian was starting to get into a little like. I was starting to do the robot. I'm like, film and cinema. I got to do something with that. Wow, I was feeling good. Um, so if I'm not going to touch on it right yet, but if you any of you guys know Josh pretty well, we're saving the best news we're for last. The thing Brian. that Josh wants, the thing that Josh wants to talk about the most, we're saving for dead last because that's going to be a big one. It's going to bring tears to his eyes. So Josh, you better be able to cry. People are going to be disappointed. <laughs> uh, uh, but we'll touch on some of the smaller. We're going to start with the Marvel stuff because there's so much Marvel stuff. We'll touch. We'll get on some of the small stuff first. And we'll kind of work with the bigger stuff. Um, like I said, smaller stuff first. So if you guys are thinking why you're bringing this up, it's because eh, it's it's cool stuff that we're going to eventually be. We won't talk about, about it, you know. Um, uh, so Josh, what do you think about Christian Bale being the bad guy? Oh, dude, we heard rumors he was going to play. Uh, ah, I forget the name now off the top of my head. Gore. No. Um, oh. oh my gosh, somebody listening to this just knows it right instantly. I know, but uh, I'm sorry, guys, I cannot think of his name. But um, oh, it was a uh, Better Bill, Better Ray Bill. That, that was the rumor. Okay, that he was well, it's not play. him. He's not playing. But him, um, no. But I am really happy that Christian Bale is going to be in that. Christian Bale is a great actor, and he's not even one of my favorites. But uh, I, I've always liked him though because he played Batman. So I'm excited that he's going to be in this, right. and it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I just hope he's not. F- I hope he's not fat in this one. <laughs> it's going to be interesting though to he, see he, how he fits in with the uh, tone uh, of this. Like, like I mean, like basically, am I am I going to get a chance to see kind of Christian Bale's comedic side a little more too? I feel like he's going to be weird. Yeah. I think well, I mean, if goofy. you've seen American Psycho, you know he can he can play that blend of like oh, psychotic yeah. versus like humor. What if he's just straight up American Psycho? Oh gosh, <laughs> Patrick Bateman in a in Thor: Love and Thunder. Well, that'd be an already yeah. Uh, but no, uh, um, excited okay. for that. Yeah, that I mean, movie yeah, just I, gets better. That movie is literally like all these Disney announcements make everything right. Better, but that huh? movie right now is like the Spider-Man three, where like the joke is like everyone's being added to this movie. It's it's yeah, Thor. And true. Love it. They just added that um, one chick from Thor two, uh, Lady Sif. Yes, about time she comes back. About time. Yeah, I really like yeah. her. Um, I guess there's gonna be there's nothing really to say about this. There's gonna be a bunch of shorts on Disney Plus about just Groot called I Am Groot. Yeah, I'm excited. I think that's gonna be cute. Uh, People love Groot. Yeah, there's going to be... He deserves his own little spot. There's going to... Yeah, I I mean, who doesn't... I hope it's Teenage Groot. No, I, My Groot, favorite is still First Groot from the first Guardians. Like adult um, Groot. Yeah, I can't... I don't know what my favorite is. It's My favorite's not Teenage, though. It's either it's either adult baby, or baby. Yeah. Uh, I get why people like the baby one. Uh, but I feel like Grogu's completely eclipsed uh, baby Groot, so... Oh, that's know. true. But, <laughs> that's very, very yeah. true. Uh, well, there's something to be said about them both being green, though. Now... Maybe I'm drawing this conclusion myself, but they announced a Guardians of the Galaxy holiday mm-hmm. special that's going to come out before Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Now, my immediate thought was this was a play on the Star Wars holiday special. Is that true? Or am uh, I making James that Gunn up? did actually tweet about how he kind of, like, despite knowing that it's bad, 
he liked it. He like he still kind of enjoyed it okay. in, in, in that in that way. I love that. So, I'm, uh, that'll be yeah, fun. I don't know. I mean, uh, I, we we have next to no details from what I recall, other than it's a holiday special. So I like we don't know length. We don't know if it's going to be like, hey, are we going to get an hour and a half like full length movie of something, or are we going to get like yeah. some kind of twenty to forty minute thing, you know? But I I think that's pretty damn neat. I hope Drax is doing something. Oh, dude, holidays. you know Drax is going like, to be in there trying to do the mistletoe. Oh my or something. goodness! Oh. Yes. I'm gonna try to catch uh, yeah, Santa some of, some of and see how like Santa didn't show up because, you know, like he's you he couldn't him. see him. Or <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He thought he couldn't see right. him, yeah, but then everyone's like tracks. We can we can all see you, buddy. Santa can. Yeah. See uh, some some of these are not really too exciting for me personally, but I'm just kind of mentioning. Imagine him anyways, trying to uh, like being them trying to explain Santa Claus to him. If someone was to, he'd be uh, say something like, "If someone was to sneak in my house, I would catch him." Or he'd say, yeah, he'd say something like, you know, the, the, the fat man never brings me joy. I <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we should uh, fight for that. Don Cheadle's going to be in his own series called Armor Wars, where he, like, takes over Stark's tech. Yeah, I think this died. is, I mean, you'll kind of see this as we cover more of these guys, but I think this is a prime example of a character like him deserving his own spotlight, but not being... Uh, I mean, I, I don't want to say marketable enough. Not being sort of, yeah, not being sort of, um, not shining as much as the others in the sense that he would, he could really carry his own movie. I don't think, uh, I, I know War Machine can, I, and I think Don Cheadle's great, and I love him, but uh, I don't think he would have as much. He, he just got the. Side he just wouldn't have as, yeah, he just wouldn't have as much grab power. So I think that exploring this in a TV show uh, is just a. Dude, great I idea. love him in Age of Ultron when he's telling his story and everyone's laughing at the party. Yeah. Boom! You looking for this? And he tell. <laughs> yeah, and then he tells like the superheroes, and they're like, "That's it." And he's like, "That's that's." I tell you, it was a good story. He's like, "It's a good War Machine story." He's like, "Oh, well, that." Makes yeah. Sense. <laughs> no, I'm excited for this. How do you feel about that one? Uh, We're gonna I mean, explore basically. Dis- like, I'm sorry, I just interrupted Dude, you. All this Disney stuff, I'm gonna watch. Yeah. So it's like it doesn't matter how I feel. Like, am I am I gonna be like hyped or waiting at nail and tooth for for Armor Wars with Don Cheadle? No, but I'm gonna watch. Yeah, it I'm gonna be honest. I'm actually like, I, I feel like I'm 100 percent excited for every single one of these in their own way. Like yeah. the, the idea of this kind of fall. I think it uh, maybe I don't think it's Ironheart. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's it's this one that is gonna basically sort of play upon what happens if. The Stark stuff, Stark tech falls into the wrong hands, right? Yeah, Stark yeah, it does. Stuff. But like you already so. kind of mentioned, that's another series they announced is the Ironheart series, which I'm actually like, I think it's really cool because in a, a comic book, if I'm wrong and a comic book fan needs to correct me, please do. But like, I'm pretty sure like Ironheart is the only like follow up to Iron Man in the comics. Mm-hmm. I think and I'm so. pretty sure she is recently like she's in the, she's been created in the last decade. Yeah. I'm pretty sure, and she's like a little like black girl, I think. Yeah, who becomes Iron I don't know too much about Ironheart, really but like I am again with all these things. I'm 100 percent excited. Uh, it's just you know the only the thing that kind of like puzzles me is like okay, what is their sense of direction? Because you look at 2008 and how they literally was planning from the get go for this to be an overarching thing, yeah. even though they couldn't foresee how they were going to get there. They knew that this was some big like thing that they wanted to, to have connect, you know, but then if you look from 2008 to 2020, the landscape of how we consume, and I'm talking about outside the pandemic, the, the, the landscape in which we consume media and, and experience these things is so different. And there's a lot more accessibility in some ways for some. So like, I don't necessarily mean, I'm wondering what they're doing in the sense of are they doing like is is there a phase four? Or are they kind of building up to a new sort of Thanos like maybe Galactus or something like that, for example? Yeah. I don't mean that, but like so much more TV shows seem to be on the horizon than movies. And yep. at the same time, like 
what are you guys like what's the sort of end goal with this are you just trying to now just let us just live in the world with these characters who have their own adventures or are these gonna Mm -hmm. eventually culminate because then you have a sort of weird mix of go to the cinema to see these ones but then watch 10 episodes of this one we've got a lot to say go yeah go ahead man Okay, so I have Excited for Ironheart, my opinion. Though. Yeah, I have my opinion, and then I have like a, I have a question as well. So my, my opinion is, they're basically they've now earned the right. They're basically just going to do comic books, but through TV shows and movies. You know, so like if you're a comic book fan, there's a million comic books with a million different parallel universes and crossovers. That's what they're just doing with shows. Well, seems like we're kind of getting like um, our own like Daredevils and Jessica Joneses and stuff like that now. Yeah, like I'm I'm not going to say like obviously I think they're smart enough to have a direction, but I think the direction is much looser than the Thanos one was. Mm-hmm. I think this is just going to be like a, you know, kind of a comic book wild wild west for them where like we can go crazy multiverses, different versions of characters, you know. I I think that's going to happen. Uh so that's what I think about that. Um another thing you said was, you know, movies and shows crossing over and stuff. I don't man, there's been so many opinions out there floating about how like the cinema is going to work. I don't believe cinema's dead, but I do believe the pandemic accelerated what was already going to happen, which is most of these big companies are going to have services like Disney Plus, and they're going to really, they're going to put stuff there. It's going to be big. I think, I think in the future, you know, watching movies or shows on Disney Plus, Netflix, whatever, HBO, that's going to be the same or bigger than going to the Yeah, I am, I'm probably getting this number wrong, but I'm almost 100% certain that they said they had around 86.2 like million subscribers to Disney Plus, for example, during this earnings call. And that's 86.2 butts at home that are saying, I watch, I want to watch stuff on your service. You don't, you, you yeah, pay attention okay. to that if you're someone in the And you field. kind of bring me into my question then is like, I'm like, now I am, <laughs> I'm not a business guy. I don't have any credit to make any opinion. So it makes sense that I don't get it, but I I actually don't get how these companies make money. And I'm not saying that because I feel bad for them. I'm not one of those weirdos that like feels so bad for companies and hopes they make 20 billion this year. I don't care. Like I, obviously I want people to be credited appropriately for their work. Like I do care about that. Like I don't, I don't want Disney to like fail or go bankrupt. I mean, I would prefer that they earn what they should earn, but like, I'm not dying to make sure they make a trillion this year. But I do wonder how they, because like, I watched, did you watch the, well, I don't want to, I'm kind of jumping ahead of this. I don't want to. We're going to, we're going to bring it, we're going to rein it right back in though. Did you watch the Andor trailer thing? Absolutely, I did. What in that they show like, basically they're saying like, this is as big as a movie set. This is as big as a movie budget movie. They didn't say budget, but basically like, this is all the same credibility of a movie. And it very much looks like that. And I'm like, how are they making so many movies and shows? And Netflix has already been doing this for years, and then charging so little for the service. And if you've looked at like Netflix uh, earnings calls over the years, Netflix, I'm pretty sure loses <laughs> like billions a year. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how so it works. Like, the the one thing I've heard with Netflix. When, oh, I'm sorry, man. Go ahead and finish. No, I'm just saying. Like, what, what's the end game? When, when does Netflix and Disney Plus start raking them in so much money? Their eyes are money popping out of their eyeballs. Like, what year? Does that yeah, happen? I won't pretend to know either, but I know for a fact that Netflix, the reason why a lot of shows get canceled is because uh, it, it is supposedly more expensive to do the second, third, like every subsequent season of a show. It's it, it, the, the, 
the sort of rights and all this kind of shit and all this stuff you have to do that the price increases with that. So it's they can they can greenlit so many first seasons of things because it's so it's like the cheapest thing to do in terms of original mm-hmm. programming. Didn't I don't know about Disney, but I will say if I had to guess and speculate, I think honestly what it comes down to is just the fact that they have the Disney money, they own so many properties, and they know people want these properties star wars marvel and plus just the disney stuff themselves people will come in droves to that and i think considering the disney plus just had its one year anniversary and you already have 86.2 or whatever that number is million people subscribe to your service Six you're paying attention to that and plus even how they did mulan and even though the price was like 30 bucks a lot of people still paid for that and they're looking at that stuff and i think there's a lot to consider there because i mean Basically, even if they're not making the same money, say say like we get Black Widow and let's say it comes to Disney Plus to stream, uh, even though they're not in some ways seeing as much money as maybe getting you to go to the cinema, mm-hmm. at the same time, they're they're ensuring that you're going to be able that they're going to keep your subscription because I mean look at someone like me who's like the Mandalorian on Disney Plus like. You know, after I finish that, I'm like, I want to see. This is good. I want to see what else original programming they got. You yeah. know, it just it does have that yeah. kind of pool. Yeah, I mean, it does. I mean, because Netflix has already pretty much done this, but if you can guarantee that you're going to have hundred million people mm-hmm. paying your service monthly for till the end of time, till they die, that's kind. That I mean, that's you can't guarantee someone's going to come to the movie theater. You can't guarantee someone's going to go to your theme park. But if you can guarantee that, you know, if we hook Josh. At the age of 29, and he pays for the service until he's 70, like, we made this much money on one person, you know what I mean? And the price is going to keep going up, so I, I wonder, like, what would they have to charge, because it's pretty much a fact, they're they're just losing money now. Like, of course, the, the investment is Well, that's smart, what I think, I think it's, um, I, I don't, I don't know. What would they have support, to charge like, to make money right You're now. kind of taking that, they're kind of taking that gamble, and I think it's it's paying off for them, because, yeah, they might be losing money on some stuff if they are, but, like... Think about how much you're earning in sort of consumer friendliness. Like, look, the biggest takeaway I even have from all this stuff is like just how freaking awesome Disney is. Like, I know they got their faults and everything, but damn, are they putting out stuff I care about and want more of? They're get, they're literally giving me what I want, and uh, that just makes me want to. Yeah, I want it all. I feel like I, I, want, it. Like, I want all of this, uh, and I don't want it in there. Yeah, Fantastic Four, Josh. What do you think about it? I that is probably out of all the MCU slates that is the one I'm most excited for. Why? Because I'm a sucker for the Fantastic Four films that we got back in the uh, early 2000s. Uh, See, I never was a huge fan. I understand. I don't think they ever quite landed the way they had hoped. I, I really like those movies. Off the top of my head, if I'm going like out of ten, I'd probably say like five or six out of ten. But I still loved them and. Uh, I even watched the newest one um, that came out a couple years ago with Josh Trank. And like for the first 20, 30 minutes, I was there. I was digging it. But uh, I just I, I like Fantastic Four. And you know what? Fantastic Four always feels so close to X-Men. So I'm like, okay, cool. We're finally getting into this territory of getting to the, the Fantastic Four, which we wanted for so long in the MCU. That, to me, just means the X-Men are on the cusp. We're on the horizon of getting the X-Men in the MCU. Yeah, I mean, I have full confidence Fantastic Four is probably going to be fantastic. 
Uh, I know people always but, fan uh, John not, Krasinski as Mr. Fantastic, and I could see it. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that. it. But I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I don't know. I guess it's just not quick. I'm not like a huge Fantastic Four fans, and it's not close enough yet. So I'm not necessarily hyped. But I think I'm, I'm ready to see a, a Fantastic Four that's like well MCU quality. Yeah, and here's you know? the thing with that: like Doctor Doom is one of the most notorious villains in the MCU, and for good reason. And I really hope that they introduce him in this film and then keep him around. Like however they got to do it. You know, maybe go some Loki route or something, but like, keep don't kill Doctor Doom off. That 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 is all. That's my only concern. Is just like, don't kill him off too early. He is such a big galaxy sort of spanning yeah. villain. So I love I love Doctor Doom. Uh, what's uh, what's next? Um, Josh, I heard. So we heard about Black Panther two, yes. and uh, which I think it was pretty obvious they were going to make this decision because that's what everybody wanted. But they're not going to recast T'Challa because of Chadwick Bosman. Um, but they did confirm the movie's coming out uh, summer of, I can't remember, 22 or 23. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Do you think it's going to be Shuri? Do you think it's going to be... Somebody's even said, like, maybe they're going to build... They're going to bring Killmonger back somehow and make him the main well, character. Well, considering the multiverse stuff that they're kind of going with, I think it's entirely possible they could work that in now in a way that would, would work, I think. But uh, I don't know because, I mean, it's just... It feels... It's just so unfortunate for one for Chadwick, you know, just uh, such a great actor and just someone like a gr- a character so many was just growing to love. Like wow, did Black Panther just it just it was so good. It was so such a good movie. I, it's so hard to believe. I know. Though. So uh, you think about yeah. you think about having a character like T'Challa who kind of got brought in the back end of the MCU and was just he he just made a, such a splash right away. We all liked him in Civil War. We all couldn't wait for Black Panther and, and then getting to see him in Infinity War and Endgame and all that. Uh, it's a bummer to see that T'Challa is already now. pretty much gone. So, I it, yeah. look, even if they tried to recast him, I wouldn't have minded it because it's just that's a character you literally just like brought in, you know, who's still really new. But I understand why they're not doing it, and I totally respect that. So if there's a way they can maybe do some multiverse stuff with Black Panther, uh, Black Panther, that'd be cool. But um, I, I am all for Shuri becoming the Black Panther. I just don't want to see that just yet. Like I would like to see her character get like like build up to that. That's all. I just want to see some development. So I don't know. Short, long short but, of it for me is just as long as it's respectful. You know, and, and yeah, it's the same thing as like the case of Rise of Skywalker. Like uh, it sucked. To, I mean, to say the least about Carrie Fisher's passing, but. You know, uh, you, you, you can't just replace that with some other actress. So, uh, you know, I, I'm still excited for that movie. And I know that they're going to honor the heck out of Chadwick in that movie. They're going to find a way. And they're going to... You know what bugs me, Josh? Good. You know what bugs what me? What bugs you, Bugs Bunny? I love the Ant-Man movies. And constantly see on the internet those are people like the, the weak ones people, just, people are like those are the bad ones or the weak man. ones a lot of people are like oh we're probably not even gonna get up yeah. there man well we are ant man and the wasp and like the subtitles like quantum something i wish i'd wrote it's it okay. down it's okay. Quant- quantum morium it's getting hard to remember all know. these names there's so many <laughs> but yes yeah, so what yeah but dude i i love okay eric or why'd i say eric i'm about to say erica's biggest mm-hmm. crush josh's biggest crush evangeline lily mm-hmm. is in this movie and she's been around for the hobbit films and, and now the ant-man series and so that's exciting for him yes it is um and i just loved i thought ant-man and the, i thought both ant-mans were great ant-man and the wasp was my favorite of the two and they're coming back i'm so glad 
Paul Rudd kicks ass. He's just a funny dude, charming, love him. I'm excited for this one. I'm actually more excited for that than like several of the other movies. Yeah, dude, you look at, movies. <laughs> I think you look at what, okay, Black Panther did for culture in, in the MCU. You look at what uh, Guardians of the Galaxy did in terms of just unfamiliar territory in the MCU. You look at something like Ant-Man, Ant-Man and the Wasp and what they did in terms of tone for the MCU. You have a lot of the films when we started to get into the back end of like phase two and phase three were like, they started to be able to take more chances and do stuff that I think initially a lot of people would have been more adherent to. Well, now we see like these deserve their place just as much as like Iron Man 2008 or like, you know, the first Avengers, which just really was just so cool to see that team up finally on screen and stuff. So like they all have their place, even though they're all different. And I understand that the Ant-Man ones don't feel as important. But, dude, I always have so much fun watching those. I don't think they're the best films, but I don't think they're at all yeah. bad. And I freaking love them. I'll be excited for it when this is coming. Oh, yeah. I'll be excited to see Evangeline thinking, Lily. Dude, can you imagine how much Can you imagine how much Disney and Marvel Studios are just thinking they're lucky stars that they managed to get the entire Endgame saga out before this oh, pandemic? Oh, I know. I mean, I, 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 I always think... Endgame came out like, I thought about in this summer. Year. It's like, yeah... <sighs> I'm so glad that that got to come out and we all got people got to experience that in the cinema with their friends and family. But dude, that's a moment I'll tell my kids yeah, about. It was a big deal. I think yeah. I, I think in a lot of ways that was even bigger than going to see like Rise of Skywalker or Force Awakens. It, it was closer to Force Awakens for sure. But anyway, uh, I am incredibly excited for this. Yeah, I love Evangeline Lilly, oh babe. But uh, yeah, I, I do. I'm I'm like really partial to her as Tariel, even though she's like the bane of some people's Hobbit existence because she was in the book, but. So one of these days, guys, we're going to do a podcast yeah. where we're talking about uh, like all the Middle Earth stuff and the Hobbit movies. Me and Josh love the Hobbit movies. Just unabashedly love them. We love we everything, have problems, but, to be clear, not just the movies. Ooh, even, love, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, as we've said before, Josh's favorite, you know, franchise of all time, Star Wars. Mine's totally. Yeah. We meet and and, 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 to, and, and uh, to be fair, too, uh, literally just like a hair, hair underneath Star Wars is Tolkien for me. So it's literally close. So, I, yeah, but we both love those. Uh, I'm I'm really excited for that movie. Uh, I'm wondering. I mean, seems to seems to imply we're gonna go in the quantum realm, or there's gonna be some more story with that. You know, uh, Ant Man and the Wasp left off with Ghost, kind of sort of not having her story concluded. So I'm wondering if they're gonna do. Yeah, more I with thought that. she'd have her own spinoff show, but they didn't. Yeah, so I'm wondering if if maybe that's what they're gonna do is try to sort of bring her bring her back. But who do you have as an antagonist? I don't know a lot about Ant Man characters, but I'm excited for that film, and I can't wait to see Evangeline Lilly again. Here's kind of a surprising one, Josh. And you, to, to your credit, you've been more of a fan of his before okay, me. Is Evangeline Lilly in this I, one? Don't no. no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, okay. Kidding. Ben Mendelsohn in Mendo! Secret Wars. Or no, not Secret Wars, Secret Invasion yes. with um, with uh, Nick Fury. Uh, you know, Josh was kind of like a Ben Mendelsohn fan before I really like kind of put two and two together with who he was. Mm-hmm. But I, lo- I liked his dweebiness in the, uh, Dark Knight Rises. And I loved his character in Rogue One. So did Josh more than me, even. Back from the Um, dead. Bombing. He was man of your talents. Yeah. Funny dude, I like that. (laughs) He's he plays such a he fits that role. He plays so bad, dude. Even in Ready Player One, like he was just he was. I like I love him. He I I love him in every movie he's in, man. So that'll be good. Him and Nick Fury, or you know Samuel Jackson. Mm -hmm. Oh, I can't. Do you know anything about? Do you know anything about Moon Knight? I have no clue. Uh, you, okay, the only thing I've ever really heard from is that he's almost like a... And I know a lot of people listening are probably going to correct me on this. And I understand. I don't know a lot. But uh, I always hear that he's almost like the closest thing the Marvelverse has to a Batman. So, doesn't mean he's tit for tat similar. I don't know anything about him. but We don't know who's going to play him either. I so, excited. I don't know what to think of that. 
um, She-Hulk comedy. Dude. Man, it's crazy how crazy they're okay, getting. Biggest takeaway from She-Hulk, super excited that Tim Roth is bringing, bring, being brought back as Abomination. I know, it makes that movie more legitimate. Yes, and it really it needed that, that so bad because the only tether it's had to the MCU is that line in Avengers when Mark Ruffalo is like, I don't know, I kind of broke Harlem. Like, that's the only tether it had. There is a couple more, but I... Yeah, I, well, you do have... um. Oh my God, I'm forgetting his name. You have the the yeah. Guy. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I uh, admitted Sergeant that. Ross or yes. whatever. Yeah, Agent or, Ross. Uh, and oh, you no, also yeah. have all the Stark Industries stuff that's in the yeah, so, film. And technically, technically, Spider Man's teacher is in the Incredible Hulk canonized. That's true. That's very true. So for I one mean, scene, there there is a lot there, but it, it needs it, it needs it, and I'm so excited to see um it get enhanced because of that because abomination just got kind of left there too you know so much of the plot of yeah. threat of hulk got left yeah. so this is going to be a great like chance that. to finally explore that even though yes it's going to be more about she hulk we're obviously going to get hulk in there too and i think that's just a great tether that's almost like saying like like we're going to do a spin off of, of of a franchise you love but we're going to include that main character that you you love to kind of help Yeah, set. I just love Disney's commitment because it would have been so easy for them a long time ago to say, "Hey guys, Incredible Hulk doesn't count anymore. We're dropping off the the yeah, MCU well, slate. It doesn't really every, count." People have asked every for Every time that, somebody so. just tells me they're going to go through an MCU rewatch, they're like I'm like, are you going to, I always ask them, are you going to do Incredible Hulk? And they're like, probably not. It seems like the most skippable. I'm like, but still do it. It's still part of the. It's still technically. Yeah. I mean, it technically it counts just it as much. It does. I mean, you still get that cameo with Stark at the end. And like you said, Ross and, and, and you know, stuff like that. So it's still fun. Like I just, live And Liv Tyler. I miss her. Oh, you know? man. That's our Arwen. She's great. Um. Okay, so me and Josh watched together at my old house. We watched the Bumblebee movie, and that's when I realized I really liked. Is it Haley? What's her husband's name? Oh, I don't name? know, but I know you're Isn't talking Haley about Haley something. Yeah. She's she's gonna be Hawkeye's daughter in the Hawkeye. Yeah, um, and she's. I thought she's a great choice. Uh, man, I wish I wrote that's her okay. name down. Hey, I think it's Haley something. Scott field Bill or, Scof- I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. You guys all know already, uh, but yeah. How do you feel about this? That's gonna be good. You're pretty excited about it? Um, well, I think it's a mini... I don't know if it's like a full... I don't think it has like seasons mm. or anything, but... I'm not sure myself. If she can eventually be incorporated into a movie as a cool female like Hawkeye's dog... Well, I'm I definitely excited for this because it was a bummer seeing Black Widow and Hawkeye not get their own movies. And I understand they don't have yeah. that kind of caring power like we've already kind of talked about with War Machine. Well, we're getting a Black Widow movie. But well, yeah. now we are, but yeah. but So I'm really yeah. happy that in 2020 we're finally getting... Hawkeye, we're finally getting Black Widow. We're going to eventually, I think in Black Widow, we're going to get to learn about what happened in Budapest that was teased in 2012 in Avengers and stuff like that. So uh, I'm definitely excited. And obviously, this is a passing of the torch. And I, I really like Jeremy Renner. I've always liked him. And out of all yeah, the original Avengers, like he was my dude. favorite. All, well, Captain America was my favorite, but I also loved Hawkeye. Mm, he's up there. Yeah, Legolas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Captain Marvel 2 was announced. I don't think they said anything about that, but uh, even though I'm not a hater of the first movie, I actually really enjoyed Dude, it. I hope the second one's my better. My second rewatch second was better. like yeah. 10... I was like, wow, I really love this movie. And not really? just because okay, of Mendo. Like, it had nothing times. to do with like, Mendo's in it, and I love him. But, dude, I just... Yeah. I loved it. It's a good movie. I thought movie. it was awesome. I really like Brie Larson, man. She gets she's she, yeah. for some reason she in she comes off a little drier in that movie, in my opinion. But I like. I will her. say I felt like some of her acting was the weaker part of that film, which is tough, yeah. and that's why maybe it deserves some some points knocked off because it's like I just love that Lee Pace is in that. movie. Oh, Lee yeah. Pace was great, but like I love Brie Larson in general. 
And she's just she's got like a modern '90s babe vibe, and I've always appreciated that about her. So I really like seeing her yeah. in movies. Yeah, I get that. And uh, get that. I'm just really, really excited to see them continue that because I just it was such a nice tether. It was so cool to go to to, to go to see that right before going in Endgame because you could literally have this sort of full circle moment of seeing young Sam Jackson and then seeing how he gets the like the eye patch and just getting yeah. to learn. That's the most we got to learn about his character up to this point, you know, and, yeah. and just seeing how it was a good movie. I, and I, you know, honestly, dude, you know, people dog that movie, but now that we're in this pandemic time, if I could go to the movie theater right now and be packed full with people excited to see a midnight showing of the new Captain yeah. Marvel with popcorn, man, that sounds so dude, exciting. Absolutely, dude. I miss going to this. Can't wait for that. Damn. Can't wait for that. Um, not really going to say. I don't know anything about the What If series. It's obviously just kind of What If story. Oh, I, I am excited. I, one of the concept arts or whatever the, the the stills I saw was one of, of Peggy Carter as Captain America, and I love Peggy Carter. I was like, yes, give Peggy me Carter's that story. Captain I'll America. take it. That'll I would love neat. to see it. Yeah, I like. Uh, her. I, I think there's one. I think I could be wrong, but I think there is one where there's the Killmonger will be uh, Black Panther, like in the What If scenario. I will say, uh, I think it was confirmed a while back that Chadwick did record lines for Black Panther, so that'll be our last sort of. Um, oh, in yeah, that experience. In Even if? though it's going to be like animated and wow. stuff, we will get to we will get a little bit more of Chadwick. That's crazy, so, man. I'm That's excited. For that. Um, there's I watched the trailer for Miss Marvel. I don't know too much mm-hmm. about her, but apparently she's supposed to be like a really um, normal kind of character, and she's getting a series. I think I I severely apologize if I'm wrong, but I'm almost positive from watching the trailer. I think she's of Pakistani origin. I think isn't it Pakistani a movie? It's character. not a movie. It, maybe it okay, is a movie. I thought it was a, movie. I well, it was a series. Uh, we don't know everything, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, I. Yeah. It's just hard to process all. Yeah, this I admit. So I, obviously, I don't know as much about Miss Marvel either, but I'm excited to see see that. And I know I, I'm excited for more female characters in general. I think that's awesome to for them to kind of get more of their time to shine. Because I mean, it's not that they weren't in the background because you had Black Widow pretty much there since Iron Man two, but um, and then Scarlet Witch came into the fold and then started you know and then you still had um I forget her character but oh Maria Hill you know who's not a superhero but you still had her there um but it's just it's really cool that they're gonna that we're starting to get more of these and they're gonna have their own uh time to shine because i think captain marvel yeah, is great for that the, i mean you know, uh, your wife loved erica loved captain marvel right yeah, yeah she did and i mean she loved captain marvel i don't know this for sure but i would imagine some of it has to do with being able to go see a superhero that's of your gender that you can identify with in some way yeah i think well my my wife is a huge proponent of representation i mean that is like you want to get her on a soapbox talk about representation because she has she's so she has close friends who are um you know chinese or, or black or whatnot and they she knows from them personally telling her of their struggles and she just she's a huge advocate yeah. of that no, so, representation uh, matters so I'm, I'm glad that we're getting more of that with these that's why when we got like not to come back around to this that's why we got somebody like abby in uh, last of us like a really muscular woman like my wife would be somebody who's like okay great yeah. you know like that's something we don't see often you know and i, I get it because i'm not gonna like you know sometimes people just kind of play coy to this to stuff i'm not gonna play coy yeah, when I, I mean, my personal preference when I'm looking for a woman, I don't usually, like, before I met my wife, I'm not looking for, like, the most muscular woman I can find. I get that. But Last of Us 2 was not created for you to fill your fulfill your lustful desires as a man looking for a woman. Like, that's not the purpose of her character. You know what I mean? So it's okay that she's a little off-putting to maybe what you would prefer. But I don't want to get on that soapbox. But anyways. That's all um, good. Representation matters. Suit. I'm really excited for things like Miss Marvel. I know it's going to mean a lot to people. Yeah, uh, a Loki series, which totally picks up off that part 
from Endgame that everyone knew was setting up for it. It was so obvious. Did you watch this? Yeah, I actually haven't finished all of it in its entirety because it was one of those things I watched a little bit of it and I was like, okay, I want to get caught up on everything else too, but go ahead. Yeah. Tell us your thoughts. It, no, I just it just looks really good. I mean, it's more of Tom Hiddleston being awesome. Yeah, the fact that they um, and it, and it, they said he's I don't I don't know if he's in a different universe or something. Like I think because like there's one part where one of the guys is like you're in the TVA now, and like I don't know what the TVA is. I'm like, is that Steve I or I don't like, know personally, but this is definitely more multiverse territory for sure. And they're going crazy, dude. They're like we earned it with Endgame, which they totally did. They yeah. got there. They well, there's just now they're going crazy. I I I am so jazzed about this because I love Loki, and this is going to be a cool way to um, not undermine his death. I think his actual death um, in uh, Endgame, or was it? Yeah, it was. No, it was Infinity War, right? Who? who? Oh God, why am I blinking? Which one did Loki actually die in? Was it the beginning of Endgame? He died in Infinity War. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, they yeah, went yeah. back in time in Endgame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yes, yes, yes. Infinity War. So it's not going to undermine that, but uh, it's going to find a, a new way to do it. Because, I mean, in, in, in Marvel canon, you have, like, Earth 616, and even in, like, Spider-Man Far From Home, um, I can't remember what the number is, but Mysterio mentions like he's from a different one, even though we know he's not. Yeah. But you sort of have the sort of main world sort of canon, and then you have all this multiverse of different like Earths and stuff like that. So it's crazy how they threw us for a loop with that. We thought it was happening then, and then it yeah. Wasn't, but now it is. So I think this is cool. I think this is something that like it's just going to be a, a fun little pocket adventure. I'm excited for that. What about that Falcon? And Ooh, the that's the one I'm most really? excited for. Why? Because I love Captain America. I love Chris Evans playing him. And just the legacy he's leaving behind. I love Sebastian Stan. I've always liked him as I'm an actor. I'm a big Sebastian yeah, dude. Stan boy. And I, Anthony Mackie. Oh, and Anthony, too, I was really just going to get to that. Yeah. yeah. I love Sebastian Stan. I love them all. And Anthony Mackie's fantastic, too. Great humor. Um, the whole on your left stuff was, oh my God, when that happened in, in Endgame and you're thinking back to like, oh, oh, that's Falcon, yeah. you know, from Winter Soldier. And um, oh, it's just so good. I am so excited to see that it's not literally going to be just about Falcon. Taking up the mantle, it's literally going to be him trying to figure out like, is he even worth it? You know, like, and and sort of you see Bucky who doesn't have long hair anymore, so he's kind of cleaned up a bit, and you kind of see yeah. him also again in the trailer, kind of feeling more of this sidekick role, and once again, and that's that's really cool. Like he's someone who maybe doesn't fit the leader role, but he's a great buddy, a partner in crime to have, you know, and that makes me so excited. And I think this story is supposed to play upon. I cannot remember the name, guys. I'm sorry for those of you who are like who know this stuff in and out. But I think the antagonist, uh, not not just having Baron Zemo be back, but uh, one of the things this is going to deal with is sort of how the the government, the U.S., has tries to create their own new Captain America, someone to sort of replace him and them kind of sort of fitting in with that new world. So that one's the yeah, most. Yeah, watching that trailer, that, it looks very confident in its quality. Yeah, that dude, trailer. that shot of Falcon f- zipping around that canyon, I was like, yeah. wow. Just looks like you're at the yeah, theater. Yeah, you know, just looking, yeah. Oh, I'm here for it. I don't, it feels like they're pulling no punches Man. on. Now, I remember, I think I remember once, I think it was Blue Harvest once they were saying that they could tell in some of the Mandalorian stuff, they were reusing stuff from the, the sequel trilogy, like alien um, puppets and stuff. But, I mean, I can't tell any of that. It just looks amazing. Yeah. So... Um, we got one last thing for Marvel, mm-hmm. um, WandaVision. That's the most, we're going to, we're going to talk about that cause it's coming out here soon. Like a month we'll be watching. Yes. So yeah, that, January 15th. That looks really good. I, I never watched the trailers and I just watched the new one and I was like, this looks like a lot more than I thought it would yeah, be. Okay. It looks, uh, homey and fun. And I just, the I, ship I, I just, the show. 
Shipley's the yeah. show, basically. Now, I'll say, um, in terms of, of those two characters, they're kind of among my least favorites out of what we've gotten in the MCU so far. I don't care as much for those characters. I think that's why they're in a show but like this. But, exactly. They deserve their own place, and I am I am so excited to see this. Day one, I, I am going to watch all of this. I'm going to consume it. I'm going to be so excited, despite not, like liking these characters as much because I just think it's cool. It seems like we're going to get to kind of explore uh, Scarlet Witch's sort of, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say psychosis. That's not the right word for it. Her sort of just, I don't know, inner torture of how she deals with her grief and, and stuff like that, you know, and, and how that works. How pissed are you, you going to be when the multiverse reveals that, uh, um, Oh crap. What's his name? Ah, uh, not what's, uh, Scarlet's, I can't believe his name just escaped me. Vision. Vision. Oh. No, Vision. When they reveal that Vision in the multiverse is Dryden Voss. Oh. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. Because <laughs> it's the same actor from Solo. Uh, dude, you know what? Yeah. Fred at work uh, had me cracking up. The other day he was trying to talk about these characters and he <laughs> freaking repeats. He's saying it so fast. Bless his heart. He's trying to say it so fast. And he gets a Quicksilver and he's like, uh, Speedster. And I was like, Speedster? <laughs> I'm pretty sure Speedster's on the Hallmark. Oh, channel. Speedster sounds like the like generic that. version. But uh, you know what? I'm really excited because this is WandaVision is going to be the first one to sort of kick off this new era. You had, you had Far From Home that was sort of this nice balance of an epilogue or or something to that effect for that whole Marvel era, but then also trying to sort of take off in this new era with like the passing of the torch kind of tone and theme. So I'm excited to see now how WandaVision follow this follows this up in okay. its own way. This is like on topic but off topic. Like, do you think now now that we know all this, do you think J. Jonah Jameson showing up at the end of Far From Home means he's from Tobey Maguire's universe? No. Now that we know I, that they're I, connecting. Well, I I don't think so. I I Because it's the same actor. No, I know, but I, I don't think because. that was necessarily something they had like thought out. Maybe. You're Maybe, right. but I who knows? I think yeah. that was more uh, just a nod of hey, we know he was perfect, so we're gonna throw him in yeah. here as a little Easter egg right. for you guys. Okay, two more, Josh, before we get into your favorite section okay. of the night. Um, Buzz Lightyear is getting his own movie. Yeah, dude. Okay, what do you think about that. It's not voiced by Tim. No, and 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 for good reason. Now I I love Tim out. We loved Tim out. We grew up on Home Improvement, so we like him. But uh, the cool thing about this man that has me so jazzed is this isn't like a prequel film of like a young Buzz Lightyear. What this is, is if you guys remember in Toy Story, like canon in universe, Buzz Lightyear, the toy is based off a Buzz Lightyear movie. So what we're getting is now that movie. And that has me freaking stoked. It, wouldn't it be cool if it actually enhanced right like i think it totally will that's so you know cool. what somebody pointed out i saw like on reddit someone was like look man if they don't do a woody movie or something like that i'm gonna be pissed and then someone was like listen they could easily do like a 10 episode series of woody's roundup on disney plus and i was like yes i, I got it a little bit yeah that's true you and that would be great but we got to see more of that in toy yeah. story 2 well you know what it, it's, it's such a shame that they're not calling this light year 
a Toy Story. Like, I just feel like that's a perfect subtitle. But, hey, Lightyear on its own is just powerful, and you're like, whoa, what is this? And Chris Evans, he embodies that hopeful, awesome. Yeah, so I'm so excited to see what he's going to bring to the table with this sort of young Buzz Lightyear. And and also just, you know, I feel like that's going to enhance the buzz we initially see in Toy Story when he's standing on the bed with his arms sort of full, like folded into his his abdomen and stuff. And, like, (laughs) it's just going to be so cool. I know I'm going to have fun with that, man. Dude, I hate that I'm kind of like I'm kind of jaded. Now I'll admit that I think they're good movies, but I, I'm 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 just I'm partially a Toy Story three fan, and I'm not really a Toy Story 4 okay. fan. Okay, I'm with you on that yeah. for two. Well, for one reason, Toy Story three was very much like a movie for us at the time who grew up with those yeah. movies. You know, because you, you were we feel connected with Andy Even. and the passing of the torch and and how we relate to that kind of growing up. But then Toy Story four was very much like this weird kind of isn't in this weird spot of I feel like a half step backwards it, it did like it didn't quite yeah. land it, it's it's just it didn't need to be told but yet we all wanted it we were all open to it but it just didn't quite land like it like don't get me wrong i hate sporky okay i hate yeah, him i didn't care for <laughs> stupid character when i see a kid walking around with a sporky i'm disappointed in their parents <laughs> man that is the most like Draw the line opinion I've seen you have in a long time. I hate Sporky. I hate him. People say they don't. People say they don't like the War in Eternal or some shit. Like you don't have Sporky up in the Halo game. Oh man, uh, what a, what an asinine concept and idea. Okay, but there were some good elements in that movie that I think were important. Like it didn't quite land. Like here, here's the way I look at it. I've always felt like you don't with, with sequels. You always run that problem of you have to be bigger and you have to be better and you have to expand. Yep. But then toy story didn't two do didn't that. do right. that. And I've always wanted yeah. more stories in all and whether it's games or television or films to have a sort of story like that, that doesn't try to like out do or outperform um, its predecessor, but instead tell a more intimate story. And that, that Toy Story 4 dealt so much with moving on and letting go. And I just thought that was a really good message, you know? And and so I, I'm glad it has its place. But, you know, I almost wish that movie. story was like a Toy Story 3 and then the Toy Story 3 story was the Toy Story 4. Like, I wish that was the one to end on. So, yeah, I but agree. See, this is one of those examples where, like, I could tie this into, like, internet crit- criticism it would be very easy for me to be like, go on the internet and type up, Toy Story for me ended at three. But the truth is, Toy Story 4 is a competent, solid film that's good. Yeah. So why why act like that? Yeah, maybe I'm not a huge fan of it, and three was a better ending spot, but like, it's good. Like, I don't need yeah, to lie. I, know. I, like, I, it's I still, still love it. It didn't resonate with me as the other three, but look, I still love it. Like, if I'm going to get, if I'm going to buy the movies, I'm going to get the fourth one as well. And you know what? Disney Plus. Where is our damn ass Buzz Lightyear Star Command animated series on there? Like I am Ooh. waiting. Give me that. Yeah, we gotta watch. Man, that. I'm. So- we'll do the we'll do the Buzz Lightyear Star Command podcast. <laughs> That'd be cool, dude. Dude, I love that. I, I watched the movie and I loved it. And I was and then I was I got to see a little the bit movie of the was show. Tim Allen, yeah, it wasn't. And they had Patrick Warburton as the knockoff version. He did a great job, dude. I loved it. So yeah. Um. Uh, okay, Josh. Hopefully this one. This is a topic that. Normally could have it could eclipse thirty minutes itself, <laughs> but it's older news, and I think we can probably go through a little quicker. But the whole big HBO Max deal that we didn't really get to talk about, where you know all these films for the next year are going to come to theater and HBO the same day, including big movies that I know you and I will be excited for, like um, uh, Dune's my f- biggest one. Um, Definitely excited. And then for uh, Matrix Four. Definitely excited. Um, Wonder Woman. 
And Wonder Woman. Um, do you see yourself? Do you see yourself? There's plenty more I didn't mention. Do you see yourself? Suicide Squad. Um, do you see yourself getting HBO Max or HBO. no? Yeah, you already have I it. Okay, it. and I like it. What what, what what did you have it for already? Like, what oh it? gosh, I think it was because uh all the DC. I I did like a week trial of DC Universe to watch some uh, Batman animated films, and then I realized they were pretty much already on HBO Max. I was like, shit, I'm gonna go check this out, and then that's just a reason for me to finally grab at it and then check it out. So, plus just HBO has always had great content. So seems like an incredible value proposition for consumers. Yeah, I'm gonna say this: like HBO. you see a lot of I think. Uh, a lot of the filmmakers aren't too happy about this. Now, I understand this. That's your product. You want it to be in the cinema. If I make <laughs> if I make a song, you know, I want it to be heard in a car. I want it to be heard, you know, in like public out loud. You don't want it in this new sort of condensed space, you know, and it, and it just that I know that has to suck in in ways that, like for lack of a better word, you know, it's it's putting it lightly, but I'm like, come on, guys. We're living in a. It kind of, it kind of. I'm a little annoyed by the filmmakers' opinion on this. I think it's just we're living in a pandemic, and we're literally in a transition, a transition stage right now. Like, we don't, we don't know how. Like, once, once the pandemic is actually over, we don't know how that's going to affect things. Like, when things sort of get mm-hmm. back to the new normal, but like. It's still changing. The industry is changing. Like you can't go in Target anymore and buy physical CDs, right? Like, but you can still go stream. You can still go for now at least buy stuff on buy songs on iTunes. Everything's changing. But at the same time, it's like, guys, I mean, I for what it's worth, like, I'm all the more excited to see your films in some ways. Don't get me wrong. If I have the choice between the two, I'm gonna want to make the effort to go to the cinema because the cinema experience Yeah, like Dune, I would want to be at the cinema. Right. And, And you think about some of these movies, like you think about uh Godzilla vs. Kong, and wow, you know what? I'm not super excited for that movie, even though I am looking forward to it, but that's the kind of film you want to see in a cinema because of that sound and just the, yeah, where the, God, the, the theater battle roaring. of the monsters, these monsters and stuff. You don't yeah. want to watch that in a home theater, even if it's an amazing home theater setup, right? But Do you think you'll watch Wonder Woman at Christmas? Oh, absolutely. I'm well, I'm going to try to, yeah. yeah. But, uh, I mean, busy day for sure, but I'm going to try to uh, watch it as soon as possible. But that being said, uh, I'm really, I'm still really excited for this. I'm, I'm interested to see where it's going to take, um, just cinema, and uh, I think just the convenience is really cool, and it's going to make uh, it just accessible to have more discussions with people, which is what I love doing with films. So, very excited about that. How do you feel? Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think I'll sign up for HBO Max because I kind of feel like it's almost like they're they're, I, I don't mind signing up for it. It's almost like they're put pressing my. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? They're, it's like they're making me, you know, because, I mean, I, w- I want to go to the theater. I would go to the theater to see One Woman. I'd go to the theater to see Dune, Matrix 4, probably even The Suicide Squad, and I'm not even that big of a fan of that. Um, but if we're still in pandemic or quasi-after-pandemic settings, I, it'd be worth it just to have it. And truth be told, if I have HBO Max and we're still in kind of quasi-pandemic settings, I might watch Dune or something on it. And then go to the theater and see it a second time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they oh, might absolutely, get both absolutely. So, I think it's a really smart deal for HBO. I don't know how it works out for the theater. As an introvert, movie <laughs> I'm very excited movie. for this to not have to go to the cinema. Yeah. Do I miss the cinema experience, though? Yeah. But uh, I think this oh, is the next it. best thing. And I know, I know uh, there's a bit of a, it's a bit of a gray area in terms of how they went about it. But I just, on paper, just the idea of being able to watch something like Wonder Woman. Um, for a month before I actually have to pay to, to watch it. I can watch it just with my membership or even for people like Brian who just starts a, a seven-day trial can watch free of charge. 
I think that's just pretty yeah. damn cool. And you know what? Uh, actually, I'm pretty sure HBO just discontinued the trial, so you oh, can't do that. Oh, smart. But, yeah. but I think it's very exciting, and it makes me more excited for a lot of these movies that I wouldn't have been. Like, I can honestly say something like Godzilla vs. Kong, even though I would prefer to see it in the cinema, I will absolutely watch it as soon as possible. Now, the fact that it's a new film, and it's going to be available, like, day one. Yeah. I'm actually more excited for Wonder Woman because I can watch it at home because that's the kind of thing where it would have came out and I've been like, oh, I want to see that, but it requires me to get out there to the movie theater in the middle of like a holiday yeah. month. I'll, maybe just yeah, later, you know what? I don't like, know. I mean, so. maybe we'll be in this phase for a while as, as you know, we, we sort of fight this sort of transition that I think it is kind of inevitable in some ways. Not not in the sense that the cinema is dying, but just in this sort of like streaming world that we're living in. But uh I look, I look for it to definitely come down to a thing for a while, post-pandemic even, of where if this is to stay a thing, there's going to be some movies where I'm like, not going to go to the cinema to see that, but I'll absolutely watch that release night on HBO Max or whatever. But, oh, this movie, I know I could watch this at home right now. I got to see it in the cinema. I'm going to, I'm not, even if I got to wait a couple of days, I'm going to go see it in the cinema. Yeah, if I can feasibly see Dune in the theater first, it's like it's that. almost almost like how mu- uh, music when it went digital, like you start you, you kind of miss out on the soul the, getting an album and really kind of understanding the album, and you yeah. start to cherry pick. But that's still cool. You have this sense of convenience. So I think people may do that um, with films, cherry pick the theater experience versus the home experience. Yeah, everything's changing. Physicals just it is gone, isn't it insane? You know, it's like, like it started with music, and then and then it started. And then we games don't think about it enough, man. But like. Technology in the last 10 years has changed drastically, I think, more than yeah. it ever has. And you know what? Like kid gamers today, they don't care about they don't care about physical games and they don't, they, don't, they want live experiences yeah. and they don't care about Internet yep. connections being required. Like, you know, it's, it's just a, a whole different it's a different medium. Different world. Yeah. Josh, do you like talking about a little thing called Star Wars? Okay, well, that's all for the Sacred Icon podcast. Yes, dude. No. Holy uh, shit. Okay. A lot of Star Wars. We saved the best for last, and we're gonna we're gonna save the best of the Star Wars category for last too, which is funny because I know the last thing we're gonna talk about. Josh could literally go on for hours, and we're over two hours deep, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, <laughs> I'm so there. excited, but, you guys! What? A, um, oh my gosh! What announcements did we get? We are so we are so lucky. Let's let's start let's start with the smallest thing, and hopefully some of these I'm kind of not quite sure full the full idea, but what the smallest thing I could I could pull up here a droid okay, story. First off, before now we talk about is that, that you get. To, I, I might be mispronouncing his name, guys. I'm sorry. Uh, Takia Watiti. Did he get his Star Wars announcement? Okay. Okay, so a droid story. Um, I can't remember if they said, I think this is like animated, I think. Um, it feels like it was like a hat partially yeah. animated or something weird like that. C-3PO and, and I'm R2-D2 so, yeah, involved? Yeah, with the new character kind of helping. We've it. had enough of them, haven't we? Like, I'm not saying that as like hateful. Like, I just feel like they Look, kind of I'll put it this way. Considering, okay, I agree with that wholeheartedly. But considering these guys have pretty much been there along the ride it's literally a case of like the avengers of we're finally getting a black widow and hawkeye kind of story when you have these other major characters like they've been around han luke leia lando anakin obi-wan padme and and now we're finally going to get to sort of get their own little adventure like i think that's so cute and i think it's going to be fun and you know hey i'll I'll watch yeah i'm totally (laughs) watching all of it it's like the you know it's the force awakens you know what i love r2d2 and you know what i'm not hating on the sequels at all i still love them but man, I wish I could have got more R2D2 out of that because I just love him so much. Uh, so I'm really going to be excited to see my little astromech buddy Is it again. Is to you, the BB-8? It's my favorite no, droid. No, that's not. That's awesome. <laughs> BB-8's great. Yeah, BB-8. Yeah. I mean, 
R2 D2 is a yeah, classic. Yeah, dude. Can't go wrong with that little aspect. But BB8, man. Force Awakens, he got such a good spotlight. He didn't really in the other films as much, but Force Awakens, BB8 was he was a yeah, character dude. for sure. Um, tell me about Star Wars Visions. It's, it's High Republic era, isn't it? Star Wars Visions is, if I'm not mistaken, the animated. It's going to be like sort of anime um, with uh, a lot of Japanese artists and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, that uh, I from the High Republic era. Yeah, I era, think so. Right? I could be wrong, but uh, I'm really excited for that because when Disney made the acquisition uh, and they announced the sequel trilogy, I thought. Okay, considering they want to have this big slate of doing even these spinoff movies, I thought, you guys could do anything. And I know that they had to kind of play unfamiliar territory to kind of, not only for them, kind of figure this, figure out how they're going to do Star Wars, but also like ease everyone into this transition. But I was always so excited at the thought of like a live action animated film or some kind of new television show that could have something like anime, you know, an anime approach or something like there's so many different ways you can do Star Wars stories. You don't have to limit yourself to all we know. This is uncharted territory. Uh, I'm really excited to see where they take that. I mean, I just I've seen some um, I've seen some Star Wars mangas and I've seen little sort of like anime animated shorts of Star Wars and stuff like that, and they're always so cool. So uh, even though anime is not something I'm big on, dude, I'm really looking forward to you're getting, it. You're going to get me on my soapbox because you brought something up. I was like, you know, and this is exactly how Josh felt in 2015, but all of these announcements, and apparently none of it does anything directly with the sequel trilogy at all mm-hmm. across all of these announcements. And that's how Josh felt in 2015 when everyone was like, oh, prequels, I never heard of them. You well, know? let me hear that, Brian. So, how does it make you feel? Um, I think it's the smart decision as Disney. I think they, they just spent a lot of time in the sequel trilogy, regardless of whether it was successful or not. Financially it was, and, and mostly critically it was. Um, but, you know, despite how anyone feels about it, it's it's time to move on for now because it, it's still so fresh. It just finished, you know, a year ago. Um, so I think it's fair. Though I do feel like they're missing a huge opportunity to to enhance it by doing something like a show. Or animated show, or even even the the visions type stuff, you know that could any of that could just enhance that. So I think that's something they'll do eventually. They're just waiting until it's it, it makes sense to go back to that I, time. So I, I'm no, not I upset think, about it. Honestly, Brian, I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, I think it's it was the same case with the uh, prequel trilogy. Well, it wasn't Need quite with the prequel trilogy. I take that back. I'm sorry, but I think with this, it's good not because of the reception at all with the sequel trilogy or anything, but. The sequel trilogy is a brand new era and you don't want to, if you kind of continue to just focus in on that era and really like kind of have that be your focal point, you're as consumers, we're definitely going to start to feel like that's being forced down our throats. And even, and yes, because the, it does have a bit of a mixed reception that is going to be tough for some, but I mean, to be fair, no matter what they would have done, it would have had a mixed reception. Well, and truth be told, I mean, I'm most excited about the Mandalorian sure, period. Which sure, this, but, this um, is a good time for announcements in regards but to that. I, I think but. they're definitely going to come back to it, but I think now they're at a point of okay, we've told that story and we've we've had we've had like pretty much five years of, of the sequel trilogy era, and with that five years of the the three films, we've also had books and and, and comics and all this stuff. Comics, so yeah. they're now kind of saying we want to do all this different stuff, just like the High Republic era that we're kind of going to be talking about too, and and just kind of the books that are coming out for that. I think it's just time for them to to really say we don't have to adhere to these specific things and we'll come back when it's right. I think you have to nail on the head with that. I don't think there's any agenda other than let's look at our sandbox of Star Wars now that we finished the sequel trilogy and sort of fulfilled this obligation. What what do we got? 
Yeah, I'm not upset at all. The, the most I can say is just a slight observation that amongst all of these things, they didn't. I wouldn't. I would have thought they would have announced maybe one little tiny short or, or something that would have helped that era. But it doesn't bother me. It really doesn't. We'll get it eventually. We, I have we don't. No doubt. No. And I want it too. Uh, Whenever they denounce it, I'm going to be excited. For how it. excited were you for the Bad Batch, dude? That looks awesome, dude. I was really surprised when they initially announced this because. I did not think the next animated show we would get would literally be about these four clone troopers that have barely been in the series that we barely know. Like, I just... Did they just show up in season seven? Okay, now, this is a question I was going to ask, and I'm probably not going to be able to ask it correctly because I haven't got far enough. I'm actually in season four now. Yeah, how was season three? It was great. It was really good. The Mortis, the Mortis stuff was that awesome. was tough for me at the time. Um, the, the the Darth Maul stuff. I mean, obviously, I have to talk about that. Deeper yeah, we're later. definitely going to be doing an episode uh, here soon, guys. Probably about Brian's overall thoughts on the Clone Wars. So look yeah, it's that. it's great. Um, but what was I going to say? Oh yeah. So when the I remember there being like a conversation on Twitter about how they were irritated that Disney was focusing on like the Bad Batch instead of this other four group. Hmm. Uh, like there was another group like similar to the Bad Batch. Were they, they clones? Yeah. Okay, if I had to guess, I don't know for sure. If I had to guess, they probably mean Delta Squad or potentially even Omega Squad. I, Delta Squad was yeah. the Republic Commando characters. That's and they are it. canon. Like, why do they do it? They, can- they did have a cameo in one of the episodes in the Clone Wars. Um, and then Omega Squad was in the books that are they're not canon as far as I know right now. But um, no, I mean, look. Don't get me wrong, it'd be cool to see the clone commandos, but like the Bad Batch concept is just awesome. The dude, the main one looks like Rambo, then you got a guy that's a sniper, then you got the brawny guy, and then you got sort of the hacker man and stuff like that. So, like, I think it's pretty awesome. I actually really enjoyed their arc um, in season seven, and now that um, season seven's done, uh, I can see why now they made sure to have those episodes. Because, Brian, I don't think I've told you this. But there was eight, a total of eight. Uh, I'm holding up four. <laughs> As I say, eight. Do <laughs> four. Um, there's a total of eight episodes on StarWars.com that are unfinished episodes, but they are canon of the Clone Wars. You cannot watch them on Disney Plus or anything. You have to go to StarWars.com to watch them. But out of the, they're they're split into two arcs. One of them is this sort of like thing that takes place on Utapau with Obi Wan Kenobi and Anakin. Deals with like kyber crystals. It was great. But it's unfinished. So you have all the dialogue, but you have some really bad looking anima, you know, sort of computer effects. Basically, it's not finished. Everything else is. The other one, though, was the Bad Batch. So I had initially watched that arc, but it went a bit different in some ways. Like now that we got this actual like new sort of canonized version of it, if you will, um, it's a little bit slightly different, but a lot of it's the same too. And it was really cool to see that when I, when they first announced that that was going to be in season seven, I thought, why? Although don't get me wrong, I'm excited. But like, if you're only doing like what, 10 episodes or whatever it was, I was like, why are you including this thing? What's its relevancy? Well, now we're kind of seeing that and there's a reason for it. So it was in of itself a backdoor pilot for these characters. And look, it definitely looks like we're going to get to see kind of more of them expanded upon in terms of like what they were up to in the Clone Wars and then also Order 66. That has me yeah, excited. We'll cool see Palpatine. Yes, again. because you know what? Like, we had. Okay. Just the thought of being able to see a story about clone troopers who are going to just like defect or something or like how they deal with Order 66. Like, I'm excited we're going to get that story. That's the thing that's that got sounds me the most really exciting. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Did they say if that's like a one season thing? They, like I don't think they have. I don't think they have. No. Okay. 
Um, now, Josh, for the Lando series, I'm getting the vibe. Hello, the what have we here? What do you think? What did you say? I, I couldn't. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're like, I'm too busy doing my impression. <laughs> I'm getting the vibe it's going to be old Lando, maybe mixed with some new... With some oh, new, buddy, like old I Lando. hope they do both. I hope they do both. I, I I remember... The fact they didn't announce Donald Glover makes me think it's going to be the old... I would you know, be game for both. Billy when, D. Before Solo um, got like shown. And Jana. Hopefully Jana's in there. Oh, dude, that'd be great. Before they showed uh, Sh- Solo off initially, I was really hoping that we were going to get like some kind of... like Like the idea I had in my head of that movie was that at the end or at the beginning, we'd literally get like old Lando and old Han sitting at a table talking and then they reminisce and then suddenly it leads to this story and then at the end we that come back full cool. circle. Like, like, like the Hobbit. And yeah, like, like bookends. Uh, yeah. Kind of like bookends, Frodo right? Billow, yeah. And we didn't get that and that's fine because yeah. I love that movie but like this would be a great chance to sort of have Lando do his like Cal- Calrissian Chronicles and then kind of have a kind of tether between Billy D. Williams and Donald Glover if you want. So however they want to do it, whether it's Billy D. only or whether it's... Um, Donald, that's fine. I, I'm just excited for this to be a thing. Lando deserves his time to shine. Uh, uh, and it's just going to be so neat to see him and, and what he gets up to. Especially especially if he um, if some of these like things that happen... Like, like Lando comes off as like a smooth charmer, right? But things don't always go smoothly. So it's yeah. going to be interesting to see how that maybe transpires. I'll just say I'm going to be disappointed if Jana's not there. Because the, the book that comes with Rise of Skywalker, the, the encyclopedia one, it confirms it's, that she's yeah. the daughter. And it's set up in Rise of Skywalker just too good. So, like, don't let that hang off. Like, that can, that's another thing that can enhance the sequel. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Well, we don't like, even know. I mean, look. I feel like I'm the only one who could, cares about I mean, that. But. This could entirely be a story about Lando post Return of the Jedi. You know, we don't know. Like, you could just easily, like, still have Donald Glover just say, hey, look, he's playing young Lando. We're just going to roll with that. You know, we don't know. But uh, I'm excited to see whatever they want to do with that. It's crazy how, like, it's like... Some of these series are like, okay, I see how they were made. And other series you are like, I can't believe that actually happened, but I <laughs> yeah. want it. You know, like a series just for Lando? Yeah. Okay, fine. Sure. I'll take it. Give me two. Um, Rangers of the New Ooh, Republic. I don't that's know some chip- That logo, it's- that font is some Chippendale Rescue Ranger shit, and I'm all for it, buddy. It's it looks looking. cool as heck. Now, is this set during Mandalorian? No, right? uh, this is... Or, or yeah, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, Mandalorian is definitely that sort of like... New Republic era, if you will. So, um, yeah. I can't remember what they said. I don't think they said specifically like the the year where it's at, but um, it's definitely kind of within that kind of fold and stuff like that. So, yeah, dude, that one just based off the font, I'm like, I'm here for this. I don't really know much about it or what you're gonna do. I feel like those two. I feel like the guy from uh, Mandalorian, the the New Republic guy, the one that was with Dave Filoni, is going to be in it. Oh, that's entirely possible. Yeah, I remember he was he was kind of being asked that on Twitter and stuff like that, and being. A and big some people boy. were saying Gian- Gianna Carano maybe either is or would have been in that series. That's, yeah, I don't know. That, I don't you know? think so because she, when we see her, what we know of her character in Mando is that she participated in the rebellion, but she didn't really mess with stuff after that i think she got out before it even ended i think it was implied i can't remember for sure now but it doesn't sound like she had as much to do with this sort of new republic era like a post vader and and uh the emperor so but dude uh that one has me the most excited just going off the font like i don't know how to explain it like i'm literally booked by the cover with that like i'm all in it's something nobody really was like expecting yeah you know and here it is you know um the you know the Andor series we've known about this for a long time and I I think I was more in the camp for of like why like why are we getting this not that because I, I have nothing against casting Andor but I'm like 
he was a character in Rogue One that died. I was like, it's interesting that they've, because we've known about that longer than these other ones that are bigger, yeah. like Lando or whatnot. And I'm just like, why'd they choose him? But after I saw that trailer with him talking about how he got to come back and some of the concept art and stuff, I'm like, this looks like it could be a really solid show. And I feel like it could make me like his character a lot more because I just don't get to know him well enough in Rogue One. I feel like that's by design. And now I'm going to get to know him and maybe it's going to enhance I that. I think it movie will. I think so that's freaking. it. I think it's really going to enhance. We have, you know, we know K2SO is going to be back and stuff like that. So that's going to be really cool. I think it will serve to enhance what we come to know and, and make Rogue One a little bit all the more enjoyable and his character able to identify with. Because when you initially see him, he straight up kills that dude in the back alley. And like a little bad for him guy being uh, working in the rebellion, he kind of does a bad thing. And part of that movie is kind of showing, peeling back that layer and showing that the rebellion isn't just, you know, inherently black and white. Like, we're good. They're bad. It's we we see ourselves as good and we do have noble intentions. But how we achieve that is sometimes not always the most noble you know, itself. So the smart thing to do would be not to bring this up. But I'm going to do it anyways. I remember when uh, Rogue One came out and people were, there were some some. People on the internet were really pissed that, like, for Force Awakens, we got a female lead, and then we got a female lead again for Rogue One. And the funny thing is, now that they gave an entire Disney series to the secondary character who's a man, that's okay. You know what I mean? Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to start shit. You know what I mean? Like, I I love that they're doing Andor series, but I'm saying, like, you know, for them giving Jin a movie, they could have given her a series. No, no, I'm saying forgive. They gave. Jin oh, oh, I'm following Rogue you. I'm following you. I'm yeah, for them yeah. giving Jin yeah. a movie, they could have given her a right. series, but they didn't. You know what I mean? So it's like I don't, I don't know why we're so quick to say like you know, oh, it's, it's because she's a woman, she gets to be the lead. Well, it's like ridiculous. It, there's it's not like, that come on, many okay, leads, We had six so. hours movies with the male protagonist. Like it's okay to get a couple movies with the female protagonist. Yeah. And then on top of it, I always think back to the the, the promotional pictures. Anytime someone's like, oh, there's too many females in Star Wars or whatever, or there there are too many female leads, it's like remember, look at Rogue One and how you have this one woman amidst all these male actors surrounding her. So shut up. Yeah. But I just don't have room yeah, to entertain like, that shit. But um, yeah, between her and my moth mothers. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whatever. But uh, dude, uh, I, I, I Josh, love it. Josh, what's the acolyte? Um, what is the acolyte? Dude, that's the one I think has people most excited about that because this is the one that is for sure taking place in the High Republic era. And okay, that's where I got mixed up. Now, with okay, in now I'm going through the aftermath books now, so I'm not like verbatim on this stuff. But there is some stuff with like Sith acolytes and stuff like that in there, like the acolytes of the Beyond, and. I don't know if this is going to be any kind of tether to that, despite the sort of era gap. But uh, I am I I don't blame anyone for being more excited for this than anything else Star Wars has going on because we know that the High Republic or? era is launching in January. It's kicking off, and this isn't. We got to read those. Oh, books, I know. Man. I'm, I'm going to be. I got the audiobook pre-ordered, but uh, I I think just being able to see this is the first time. We're going to be able to see an entirely new era that is entire that is wholly distanced from anything we've ever known on live action screen. You know, like in live action. Like I think it's going it, to be weird to imagine. Like we're going to have different aesthetics. We're going to have probably like familiar species and stuff like that, and races. But I mean, everything else has a chance to be so different. You can have Yoda in there. I don't think they will, but you. Isn't he in the already? Yeah, I was going to say. So, but I mean, like, you can still have some kind of things that kind of like still remind you of that, but it can very much be its own thing. And depending on how this goes, I mean, this is a, in, in some ways, it's kind of a make or break threshold with that because if it goes really, really well, 
then they're probably going to say, shit, we want to tell all these stories that we were kind of maybe had in the back pocket that we could tell. Now we see people want this. Let's fast track it. Let's get it going. Yeah, we're gonna have a lot of High Republic Oof. content if it goes yeah, well. I can't wait. And that's gonna be that's gonna be exciting, yeah. dude. It's gonna be another one of those things where it's like it's gonna be another one of those things where like when you're living it, you're gonna be like, I can't believe I lived long. I know. I hope you know I, what I mean like <laughs> I hope I don't die before any of this stuff because man, uh right. But you've been saying we've been saying that about since Halo I know, 3. But uh <laughs> but yes, you know, it, it's just cool though, because I mean think about it. Even though we know how things go at you know, four hundred years after the old Republic or I'm sorry, after the High Republic don't know how it gets there. we don't know how we how we get there so i mean basically like you can have some big sith dude you can have you can episode one's gonna be a sequel yeah, you could have like you could literally tell whatever you want just because we already know how things get 400 years in the future why can't Dang. qui-gon be 900 years old Damn. i know i'd like to see some and i'd love i'd love me some qui-gon oh dude i got the um, book perfect for you we were talking about uh the prophecy and everything the, in the Master and Apprentice book, it just deals with him uh, getting to have Obi-Wan as an apprentice. I think you talked about this to me like yeah, years ago. Yeah, this one actually yeah. just came out like, well, okay, okay it well, did then. come out like two or three years ago. But anyway, um, okay, yeah, I think you did it, it revealed in there too that Dooku had a apprentice, an apprentice prior to Qui-Gon named Rail Avaros. And this guy is like uh, a maverick of a Jedi. And he gets, he kind of like takes, he kind of took Qui-Gon under his wing and you, you kind of get some flashbacks and stuff. And oh, it's fantastic stuff, man. Definitely one of the better it's books. It's a shame we've got so little Qui-Gon because it's such a lovely oh, character. Oh, so great. Yeah. Uh, first ever female-directed Star Wars film, the Rogue Squadron movie. Yes. Now... I was surprised by this. Now, I feel like... I, I just want to say real quick... Yeah, take your you, time. This, I've been chatting this, a lot. In a, in a very pessimistic way, I don't want to be pessimistic, but like, I feel like I'm not really like that interested in like the, the spaceship battles as much, so I'm already kind of thinking I won't care about this movie as much, but I'd like to be proven okay. wrong. I'm pretty much... I'm actually 100% with you. Now, I am excited for her. I loved the video, and I love to see the passion she has and how excited she is to do this. I can't wait to see what kind of film she makes with this. Uh, just speaking... And you'll be there yeah, day absolutely. one. absolutely. But speaking purely off in just terms of like what I want out of Star Wars, this sort of dogfighting space combat, it's cool, but in small doses for me. So like having a movie yep. surrounding that doesn't mean you have to look. It doesn't mean they're going to be in the cockpit like the entire like two hours. And she could prove us wrong. And yes. Be the and that's the thing ever. is I always say like I want to take those chances because it creates that 50 percent chance. Well, I this is a 50 percent chance for me personally. And uh, I'm, I'm already ready to love it. And I can't wait to see it. I'm a little bummed that out of like. That's that that film is going to be the next like that's the next film we get, but dude, at the same time, like I have no idea what to expect with that, and they could do some cool shit in there I never saw coming, and that's exciting for me. I I want to whatever she wants to do, I just want to see it realized, you know. Yeah, I mean it's uh, yeah I'm not like extremely hyped for it, but I'm glad that she gets to do it, and I'm going to be there yep. day one to yeah, see same it. Here. You know I mean, and it, it's probably going to be good. You know, it's it's gonna even be great. if. Worst case scenario, it's probably a really enjoyable Star Wars. Experience. Man, well, Rogue Squadron though. That's I mean, we know Rogue Squadron from the video games. It's like, are they going to have Wedge and Tilly's in it? Or are they going to just do War? No, Rogue I can't Squadron? think of Rogue Squadron without thinking of the game. That's what I'm saying, like I've seen. Yeah, it so times. it's so iconic. But uh, are they going to do their own thing with that name? You know, I don't know. Now, I think one of the things that's got people going, "What the heck is this going to be like?" I can't even tell by that logo. That Taika yeah. Waititi film. It's supposed to have. His kind of humor in it, and like all we have to go off of is that if you guys haven't seen it, it's like a blue, almost looks like a Flintstones Star Wars. Logo. Yeah, it's, dude, it's the logo of Star Wars, but it looks it like it has it's from this weird Flintstones seventies like, vibe going for it, like a real like cartoon animated seventies vibe going for it. We know nothing about this, but I'm gonna tell you right now, 
this is one of the more interesting things to me because just seeing how he is as a director, uh, look, I, I don't care. I, I don't care what they do with this. I'm just excited. They could literally, like, if you've seen, if any of you guys have seen what we do in the shadows, which is basically like a sort of vampire version of the office, you know, in a sense, uh, it is so much fun. They could literally do a Star Wars show that's like The Office where people are sitting to being, you know, having cameras follow them around and stuff. I, I'm not saying he's going to do that. He's literally, he's that, literally. I only, didn't think of that. I kind of yeah, want He's that. only literally done like one movie that was like that. So I'm not, I'm not trying to typecast him, but like he, whatever he wants to do, man, I respect his vision and charm. He did a, a Hunt for the Wilder People movie with Sam Neill that I thought have, was hilarious. Have you seen, um, what's the movie he just did, the, the Nazi? Oh, uh, Jojo Rabbit? I have not seen that. Have you I've seen I've heard it? good things, but I have... Uh, okay. Well, it's because that, that kid, like, has... You know, he sees Hitler everywhere. I'm like, wouldn't it be crazy if, like, he did a movie where, like, somebody was seeing Vader walking around being comedic? Oh. Like, come, like <laughs> that'd be crazy, you know? Some Vader kid, just yeah. cracking jokes. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, he's got... Crazy. He's and got a two great, on the nose, but... He's got a great vision for how he does his films, and he definitely doesn't have a specific way that he does I them. love Thor Ragnarok and Jojo Rabbit was well, I know great. a lot of people... Um, I wasn't a huge fan of, this, of the Halo commercial, but I don't... Well, I was going to say, I know a lot of people don't... Also don't like Thor Ragnarok rock like there's some that do and don't. it seems mixed now I, I realize that more but like it's just so different in tone you know it is so it's just jarring he's got that like classic you. kiwi humor of like i just that i mean you actually hear like uh tamara morrison kind of speak like that sometimes like he just i don't know i don't know how to explain it but i love their humor they're like you know mate you know we're just gonna hang out over here all right it's gonna be uh quite cool you know i got some kit kits in the bowl if you're hungry you can have some of those and just eat those right there and as soon as we're ready uh, i'll Pretty have good. you come over and uh you know we'll get started on this project yeah i'm just thinking of freaking cord yeah <laughs> so, yeah that's exactly so i love yeah. Yeah. i love the kiwi accents and stuff and i, I love his like kiwi vibe that he brings Peace off, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so i can't wait to see what he does with it man okay man this is probably now it's a tie um, we're leaving the best for last it's a tie for me and probably close to a tie for Josh, but not quite uh, the most exciting announcement from Star Wars. Um, we're actually getting that live-action, full-on Ahsoka series with Rosario Dawson. Dude, after seeing her in Mandalorian, I am excited for this. And I'm not even... I can't claim to be some OG Ahsoka fan. I'm still going through the Clone Wars yeah. for the first time. But but man, she was so she's so cool in the Clone Wars. She's so badass in the Mandalorian. I hope that her show just does continues to do right. so much justice for that I character. know and I understand you don't like know as much as the canon but still is there anything specific you'd want like story-wise with her being told um I guess I only have one real requirement and it's it's almost it's almost an expectation I don't want her story as a Jedi or whatever you want to call her non-jedi I don't want her story to even slightly at all resemble any of the other Jedi stories we've gotten. It will disappoint me if she has a clear, like, Luke saves a bad guy from, you know, saves Vader, or a Rey saves Kylo, or a, uh, just... Goodness, I'm she so needs to, excited she's, for you to get through the rest of Clone Wars. She's already original and yeah. different. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's already done original things. So her story needs to continue to be original. If that whole... I don't think it's going to be, but, I, I mean, if that whole entire show is like a Kill Bill like the whole way through and it's just way different. That's fine. I want her to be, you know, as much as I love the sequels and, and, and the prequels and just everything, you know, there's a lot of similarities there of you know, it's just like, you know, Luke's good and he turns bad and Kylo's bad and he turns good. And uh, did I say Luke? I meant Anakin. I got Anakin's good. And he turns bad. Luke is a bad moment. Luke's good. So. And yeah. you know, there's, yeah, there's this struggle and they're good and they're bad. It's kind of like, 
all three trilogy trilogies kind of have similar. It's just the, story the Skywalkers, patterns. man. They're just <laughs> yeah, the Skywalkers. Yeah. So, so for the for the Ahsoka for the Ahsoka show, like whatever her struggle or her mission is, like make it original. If it's like a Kill Bill type, you know, you want her. Going you want her if wrong. she has a struggle, have it be less to do with that dark side and more to do with something. Yeah, and and don't I don't you know I think when it comes down to it, I think Star Wars fans, including myself, a lot of times we're just more simplistic than we care to admit. She has lightsabers and she looks cool. She doesn't need to be a Jedi or have a Jedi's typical story. No, that, yeah, I don't. Uh, since you, know? you haven't finished Clone Wars, I'm not going to go into too much. But there is definitely, I, I, know, I see I've seen the ending of Clone Wars with her. What you're saying still makes a whole lot of a sense, and I would love to see the, the death because she does get a lot of death as the show goes on, especially in the later seasons. So, I would really. Do you think Bo-Katan will be in this show? If you had to guess, this guess could potentially—that's what I was going to ask you—is what era do you think this? Do you do you think this is going to be in? Oh, they said it's continuing. Oh, they did. From okay, the Mandalorian. Oh, perfect. Yeah, they said yeah, that. So, confirmed, so. Uh, I Set think in, the same I, time. in that case, I think definitely uh, that could have very well been a backdoor pilot. I was, as well. I'm not going to go over Mandalorian spoilers because this not is not a huge fan of the font they use for it. Oh, I didn't mind it, but uh, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, like I don't mind it, but I'm like it looks like it's unfinished. Okay. But um. But. No, I I don't so know. How, like, what's your hype level on the Ahsoka series, Josh? After seeing oh, I'm incredibly watching. excited. Uh, yeah, I mean, it goes without saying. Like, I I'm freaking stoked. I'm so glad that this is something that the announcement came so soon after getting to finally see her in live action. Um, they pulled. They it did. Off so they well. did so so well. Uh, it would have been tough to wait and wonder with that kind of thing after having that build up and tease. Yeah, so I'm glad to have seen that announcement. Uh, if she does, I, I, this could potentially be. The sort of rebel sequel series, you know, that and, and we could very much see the Sabine and where's Grand Admiral Thrawn and we're going to find Ezra and and stuff like that. We could very much be seeing that story. Get in live uh, action. Get that guy. That everyone wants to play Ezra. Um, I, I know. I it's the guy from season wrong. two of Bly Manor. Owen. Yep. Is it Ra- Raul? Akuna? Yeah, I'm not, I'm sorry, I'm not sure how to pronounce it either probably. myself, but he would, be uh, great. he would be great. I like that guy a lot. Very cool dude. Yeah, I'm extremely excited for that one. That is definitely up there for sure. Yeah, I think uh, it's hard for me to say between that one and the next one. Josh, this is... Okay, guys, this is the thing that Josh has been hoping for and praying for since 2005. It's just, it's uh, He woke up to it and it was... Yeah, teary just thinking about it, man. All right, Josh, what... what Hayden Christensen is coming back to Star Wars, finally. What I have wanted ever since Disney got the acquisition and said, hey, we're doing a sequel trilogy... Uh, literally the one thing I wanted, I was just like, okay, once, once we get past the cool aspect of all these original characters coming back, I'm like, now we have a chance to see father and son interact. Now we have a chance to see force ghost, uh, Anakin that we saw at the end of return of the Jedi interact. And we never got that. We got the force, uh, we got the, the, the voices and stuff and it just didn't, it didn't land. I mean, it was definitely awesome, but it just didn't land. But wow. I have always loved Hayden Christensen. And I loved what he brought to Anakin's character in Revenge of the Sith. I understand Attack of the Clones, but I just, I love what he brought to the role. Yeah, nobody posts pictures of him from Attack of <laughs> yeah, the Clones. Yeah, I know. You always see Revenge of the Sith ones. Well, it, plus two, it's just, I've never been a fan of that whole, like, ponytail thing that even uh, young Obi-Wan had at Phantom Menace, the little yeah. thing. Yeah, the, the little rat tail thing. But, um... Now, Josh, if if you could choose now, I think I think I know I the think answer, I know but, like... Answer. $25 if you're lucky. Um, would you rather have this or have had him have a three-minute ghost Anakin scene in Rise of Skywalker? If you only choose one. A three-minute ghost Anakin scene in Rise of Skywalker. But this is the... Okay, I was actually thinking maybe... But this, this is the next best thing. You know, I, I, yeah. I just... 
I'm really happy they did it because you can tell when you guys read the text in the announcement that like the picture is literally of Star Wars Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's like confirmation of the show's name, right? But then the first thing that it says is Hayden Christensen returns and they know that that was a big deal. They know that people wanted him back and they just make that apparent how they come out with that announcement. And it makes me so happy because it, he just he he needs to be in there. And the fact that he, here's here's the way I look at it right now that actually has gotten me more excited. And I'm already in the state of mind where I, I'm, I'm ready to like reappreciate the sequels It's like, OK, sequels come out. They, they do a lot of exclusions with a lot of stuff. They really adhere to the, the hey, remember when Star Wars was like really popular? Remember when people really liked Star Wars and everything? So we'd have this whole original trilogy vibe. But it became apparent kind of by the end of Rise of Skywalker that like, okay, look, some of these things did, objectively did kind of feel weird that they weren't kind of included in some way, in some factor. And... I'm not saying Force Ghost Anakin needed to be in the move in, in any of the movies like a big time, but even just like 30 seconds, it's just weird. So the fact that now we're getting to a point where we're getting things like Hayden Christensen returning, it almost feels like Disney sort of saying, we realized we kind of had a couple missteps with this, and now we're gonna rectify this in a way that kind of re like like in doing in this after way, this after effect way. I was gonna I was gonna say, dude, fandom scares the shit out of me because this is exactly what happened and no one can tell me any different. Two thousand five to two thousand two thousand five to the to the Disney acquisition, Hayden Christensen was hated on. The fans made sure that he had no more place in Star Wars and pretty much probably made sure he didn't have much of a of a significant acting career because he was mocked and memed and hated. And when when the Disney acquisition happened, there was people calling for Disney to remake the prequels, to just wipe them from existence. And there was just so much hatred. And, you know, it's like you almost can't blame Disney for, for like, I do blame them in one sense, but, like, I, you, almost, you almost can't blame them for excluding so much of that because the fans made it clear, we don't want any of that. And the thing is, this is why fandom scares me so much, is because Disney listened to that. And I know they made their own mistakes on the sequel trilogy. I get that. But now that we've had these years to gestate on the sequel trilogy and, and that's finally finished, the fans have just flip-flopped entirely. The prequels were the best. The prequels are my favorite. Revenge of the Sith is the best Star Wars movie. I loved Hayden Christensen. We should have got him... Like, Josh was saying Ghost Anakin shit a long time ago. Now you're getting people out of the woodworks who never even thought about it who were saying Ghost Anakin shit. So, like, it's just become... It's like internet trends and... You know, it's like... Just... Just go... Go with what you feel. You know what I mean? Like, if you watched the prequels when they came out and you loved them... You thought they were the best. Stand by that, man. Just just say it. Who cares if people think you're wrong? Just say it. If you thought they were garbage, okay, fine. I had say this you moment like but when st- I was... But stand by it, you I know? I was in Toys R Us when, before Force Awakens had come out. And I went in there a couple days after the midnight release of all the merchandise had come out. I'm in there by myself, and it's very early in the morning. No one next to nobody in there. I go straight into the aisle just to see what's left over so I can finally get a real, genuine, good look at these things. And this other dude around my age is in there. And immediately, uh, I think he asked me, like, you in here looking to see what, what's, you know, like, what's remaining too? And I'm like, yeah, dude, <laughs> I didn't get a chance to really look at it before. And he's like, same here. And 
I was like, uh, you, you, how you feeling, man? You're pretty excited. And he's like, dude, next level. I'm so excited for this. And I was like, me too, man. Um, and then we started talking briefly and then he, I, we brought up the prequels and I was like, you know, man, I understand why people don't like this, but I love him. He's like, dude, me too. And I was like, yeah, man. And this guy and I literally had a conversation. Like we literally, we didn't buy anything. We didn't see anything we necessarily wanted. We, but we continued walking and talking all the way out until we got to our cars and I never saw him again. But it just goes to show you like the power of Star Wars, but and how it can bring people together. But also like there are a lot more people out there that have always loved the prequels, but they just felt like they couldn't speak out. And you always feel like even with me, even when I when I talk about the prequels, I always feel like I have to preface and say, I understand why people didn't yeah. like them or I understand not everything was right. After that was yeah, exactly. <laughs> it sucks. But um, I think part of it, too, uh, to be fair, is that, you know, the people that did love the prequels were mostly kids. And those kids now finally are so much older. They're in their 20s and such now that they have a voice on social media. So now, even though the prequels were something that was always loved by a lot, now those people very much have a voice to put that out there. And um, it's shifted the perspective. And then now the guys that grew up with the originals and were like, originals are nothing. Now those people are kind of seen as toxic, and they are because they just are not open to any other change. It's like, and then you you got Force Awakens, which was a modern you know take on what came before, and they still weren't happy, you know. And I think it's so funny that people to this day complain about a third Death Star when we already had a second one, but yet people are like, second one's okay, but third one, that's where you lost me, you know. It's come on, yeah. but to be fair, uh, I understand every which side of this stuff, but uh, I I just. Dude, look, I, I think it's it's awesome to have Hayden come back. I think it's going to retroactively help. Um, like for someone like me, it's going to help me get a bit more comfortable with just where the sequel trilogy is. And I think it's important, too, because here's the thing. They confirm in that announcement that he's playing Vader. They don't say he's playing Anakin. And I feel like that was very intentional. It could mean it could be very loosely played upon. But well, if they said he was playing it, honestly, dude, to, to, to quell your fears, I think they said that wow. because if they said he was playing it, well, yeah, I, I don't know, have maybe fears. You, go ahead, no, I'm here. I thought maybe you were hoping you'd see his face. That's why you were saying that. But I think the reason they said that is because if they said he was coming back to play Anakin, there'd be people jumping on Disney saying he's not Anakin at that point. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's that um, because I mean, really, the only time An- Anakin, <laughs> in the way we know him, is like Vader is when he's like pretty much on Mustafar cuz as soon as like he gets the shit beat out of him by Anakin then he's then he's in costume and stuff like that. So the only time we really have Yeah, but I, I guess for mainstream people I think they might think No, I, I understand. If you said saying. Anakin was coming back, they might be like, well, "Oh, we're getting Anakin." And like, and, and Kathleen Kennedy teased this as like the the rematch of the century. And this is know, such a big deal. Now, I'm excited for this and I'm 100% open to it and I don't think it's going to retroactively ruin anything. But this is really an interesting point of conflict because you literally have the scene in A New Hope when Vader's like, you know, I sense something, a presence I haven't felt since. And then he just walks off mid-sentence. And when we watch that now, like it was really cool after seeing Revenge of the Sith going home, watching New Hope. Yeah. And you're like, that's for the Mustafar battle they had. I thought about this already, and too. And now yeah. this could entirely mean that they had a second match because, of course, when, he, when Vader does see Luke again, he also, or I'm sorry, when Vader sees Obi-Wan again, he says, you know, when I met you, I was but the learner, now I'm the master. I don't know if that's going to apply necessarily, but there could be, there's a little wiggle room there. I mean, if we're honest, if we really just take a step back and be honest, there's been a lot of jerry-rigging to keep this series going for 40 years of continuity. Like, it's already been, 
and I'm not saying that as a negative. I'm just saying it's just the truth. You know, there's, you know, uh, you know, um, Anakin or um, Darth Vader killed your father in the New Hope. You know, well, from a certain point of view, you know, it's weird. You know, what he said. I know. Empire. I understand you know where I mean? people come from on that. No buts. It's just as a kid, I, I, I bought into that. Like I thought oh, that makes sense. No, you know? I mean, like, no, I yeah. think that's fine. No, I think you're. I don't. But I know what you're saying. Like, weirder, I, well, or, it's just like when I learned that it was that was not something. When I finally did learn, it wasn't necessarily planned from the outset. I was like, huh, okay, well, that it always just seemed yeah, like it yeah. was. Like, you know. I mean, truth be told, if I had a kid right now and then they're seven years old and I'm showing them all the movies, they're probably going to think Palpatine being in Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, exactly. Makes a lot so. of sense. We're just so in the trenches so. of all these news and rumors and announcements exactly. that we we we, we study every little detail. Excuse. You know, here's. Here's one thing that I would, and this will kind of throw some halo back in the mix again. This is something that really stuck with me that I think is would be beneficial for everyone to hear. Um, David Canland from Bungie, used to be at Bungie, he did the UI for Halo, all the Halo Bungie games. When 343 released the first Forerunner book, Cryptum, the one that Josh is reading, um, it's revealed in Cryptum officially canonically that the forerunners are a different race you know what i mean not going to go into this whole thing but you know we've been through this before at one point in time bungie had intended for forerunners to be humans before they gave this is the one part where people like to contest but this is fact before bungie gave up the reins to halo they had already started moving towards forerunners being a different alien species but long story short David Canland was the UI designer. He didn't have anything to do with the story or whatnot. Well, when he read Cryptum from 343, you know, as a fan, because he, he doesn't work there, he went on forums and said, I'm surprised. He basically said, I'm surprised the Forerunners are different aliens. Because in my in my opinion, I always thought they were just ain't old humans. You know what I mean? And he said that, and a bunch of people on the forum were like, this bothers me, knowing that you were a part of the original Bungie team. And you're saying that it was originally humans. You're bother- it bothers me now. I'm thinking that like it's, I can't accept mm-hmm. this. And he's like, no, 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 no. Don't for one second think that me as a UI designer had anything to do with the story decisions. And also, this is all good stuff. It's all fun. You know, I'm going to buy the next book regardless. Just enjoy it all. And when he said that, I'm like, you know, that's such a good way to put it because like, why limit yourself from enjoying it? Like, there's people that read Cryptum, liked it, and then they heard that David Cadlin said he thought they were humans, and now they're, like, iffy about it. It's just like, you know, George Lucas saying, I think he said, didn't he say that uh, Palpatine was dead as a doornail in Return of the Jedi? Yeah, I think so. I think I think he said that. Yeah, on one hand, you're like, okay, yeah, you know, he wouldn't have brought him back, but, okay, he's back now, and, oh, well, you know, just, you like it, right? You like Star Wars? Just just go with it, you know? It's not going to be perfect, especially with the series of the Ghost. It's just like we always say, like, to, to to dislike something in, a, like, a fandom you care about means to love something at the source. You care so much about something yeah. that now, like, to, like, understand, like, if you guys are watching, like, you're part of Star Wars, and you've loved everything up to a certain point, and you finally realize, I don't like this one thing. The reason why you don't like it means you care to, to, to care, to, to dislike means to actually have investment, emotional investment. So that, it's it's just, it's one of those things that's like, this isn't real life, it's just entertainment. And yeah, I mean, like, I I'd, it's hard for me sometimes to like go through the sequel trilogy and think all I got to look forward to is like, just like three lines of Anakin amidst all these other ones. Like that kind of, like he doesn't have his time to kind of like cameo and steal the, steal the thunder and steal the show. But 
you know, I just love it for what it is, and I'm excited. And you know what? Even though in the back of my mind I'm watching these thinking, like, there's a little part of me that's like, these almost feel like fan fiction because it's not George's vision in some ways, you know, and everything that's come after, like, Mandalorian, I'm like, this isn't George's vision. It doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't It doesn't matter. Like, I, I'm able to also turn that off. Like, I can acknowledge it, but I'm like, yeah. this is all here together connected, and it, it just shouldn't matter. Like, the 343 and Bungie thing, you have, like, years with Coalition and Epic Games and all this stuff. You know what's crazy, dude? I'm telling you this for the first time on the podcast, and this is a multi-layered thing. So at first, you'll probably be shocked, and then I'll have to go through the layers of it. I'm, I'm already talking uh, about my, ba- I like, my, my dude, Anakin. I was about to say my baby, Anakin. I like <laughs> current day, 2020 right now, I enjoy and like Star Wars lore more than Halos. Yeah? I think, I think Star Wars lore right now is way more consistent better done more interesting and i am more invested in it i can't sp- now to go ahead to give no, no, you no, layers to give you layers because some people are listening probably going brian brian you, you do you're you're too hyped about yeah. mandalorian right now <laughs> this is the truth i gotta preface again i love 343 i love halo 4 and 5 i'm excited for infinite for me the five bungee halos are better than star wars for me personally the five bungee halos they're better than Star Wars. The lore's better. Just, just personal. No, I'm, I'm not saying, saying I'm objective. listening to. Personally, the lore of the five Bungie games, and is better than Star Wars. And I like Halo more than Star Wars. Referring to those five games, everything past Bungie, I have loved and enjoyed, and I'm very happy with it. I'm glad we have it. No part of me is like super, like disappointed in three four three or like upset. I'm, I'm happy. But Halo 4 and 5, I love those things because it's more it's more of the thing I love. You know what I mean? It's more Halo. I love Halo. It's more of that. That's why I love it. But the, you know, it's not the same. You know what I mean? And I'm not, I'm not like trying to because I don't feel like I'm the same as them at all. I'm not trying to sound like a bungee purist because I'm I'm really not. Uh, if That's anyone, not if anyone was me. a bungee purist, it'd be me out of the two of us. But even I don't consider myself that way. So you're definitely not. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like I don't. It's not like I don't even. I don't even wish that Bungie kept Halo or something like that. I don't. I don't even have fan thoughts of wishes. I just know those five Halo games were incredibly special to me, and they stand above pretty much everything except Lord of the Rings to me. Story wise, you know what I mean, and I still like those more than Star Wars. But if you take Halo as a whole, what it is right now, all the games, all the books, all the comics, and you take Star Wars, I am way more invested in Star Wars, way more interested for the future of Star Wars. I care more about Star Wars. I just think, I think that even with all the missteps that Star Wars has made, I think it's kept its baseline pretty well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I picture Star Wars, like, and for you guys, I'm holding up my hand right now. <laughs> I feel like Star Wars has kept, like, I kept this, it kept this line, and it kind of went like this a little kinda bit. Kind of wavy. You know, at yeah. places. Kind of wavy. It just kind of waves a little bit. Where Halo's kind of went, like, kind of like this. I'm going up straight, and then it kind of goes, eh, way down, and then up a little, and then up a little again, and then eh, way down. Like, I feel like the drops in Halo are way bigger. You know what I mean? Whereas Star Wars, like, what are the most common criticisms of Star Wars? Most common criticisms were the prequel movies suck and now the sequel movies suck. Everybody pretty much loves the lore of the prequels regardless of the quality of the mm-hmm. movies. And the sequels, yeah, they're pretty hated on still right now, but I think most people can kind of agree that the sequels don't like 
they don't ruin everything that came mm-hmm. before you, right? Like I know you're none like, of it does. None you know. of it does. Yeah. So it's just like, I just feel like star Wars is just, and it's been around over twice as long as halo. And I feel like it's more consistent right now. I'm more excited. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm more excited to play halo infinite than I am to read star Wars high Republic, but I'm more interested in the high Republic lore than I am infinite because to me, and I think Josh can relate to this to me, those five Bungie games, that was my childhood. That was Halo for me. And all this new Halo, I love it. I can't wait for it. It's great. But it's like icing on top. And I think you said that about Star Wars, where you're like, oh, I got my one through six episodes, my George Lucas that he sold off. Like, everything else is icing on top. I think you're kind of saying something similar, though you're a little more pleased with Star Wars than I am Halo post Yeah, I literally the creator. only issue I've ever really had with Star Wars was Last Jedi, and even then I've come around to it substantially. Yeah, so it's just it's just icing on top, you know. So it's but but Star Wars to me just feels kind of uh, it still feels fresh and 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 vital and you know when Infinite comes out maybe they'll do some crazy loops that make me go wow this is somehow better than Bungie but it, it doesn't need that's what I'm trying to say it doesn't need to be better than Bungie I I don't I don't necessarily want or expect that I loved four and five just if they gave me another four or five I'd I get still what you're saying it. I mean. Just, I've moved on in a sense. It's yeah. like it's like for you, the Bungie era was there at a time in your life when you were growing, you know, and that was a huge yeah. part of your. That's pretty much the biggest part of your childhood in terms of like your joy, you know, for you yourself selfishly, yeah. you know, and then everything that's come after has been this stuff that's happened more in your adult life. So you had this phase of Brian playing through all the Halo stuff, and you're always going to play the Halo games. You're always going to be excited for them and love them. But the really essential time when it was when it was really poignant for you and paramount yeah. was during that that Bungie era. But now you've grown up and you've gotten into other things. Like you kind of realized, oh hey, I love the Alien franchise, or oh hey, I love the Gears franchise, or I love Blood the Blade Runner films. You learned a I've lot. I've entered Star Wars in a big way, even though I've always yeah, been here. So I've you, entered it now. You, you just you're growing and expanding and stuff, and Halo's still there, but Halo's still at a point where it's like, it seems like we're on the cusp of it, but it's it's still trying to find that footing again. And hopefully this new era with Infinite will do it, but Star Wars is... It's one of those things where I have I have complete confidence, you know, just simply because of memories and nostalgia. You know, something like Star Wars or Game of Thrones or whatever, it's never going to pass that original Halo trilogy for me. It's just not ever going to happen. Just like for you, Josh, I don't... Is it fair to say I don't think they're going to release a new movie where you go, man? This this is way. I mean, I will never. Yeah, I'll never rule that out because it's always possible. But the reason I'm here is because of the original trilogy I grew up with. Is because of the prequel trilogy that was there to help um, help me segue into my teenage years and everything. So, I mean, we're very much in terms of our fandoms. We're very much a product of our initial experiences with it, and then everything that comes after is the stuff that says, oh, we hate this, or here's here's like you know, the discourse. I think the best way to say what where Josh and I kind of are, Josh and I are like the boomers who saw the original Star Wars trilogy, but instead of hating the new stuff, we still like it. No, I, no, that is. I mean, that's what I was saying before. I think you put it better, but I think I said in the last episode, one of the last, I think the last oddball we did was, you know, like, it's like that Yoda line, we are with Girl Beyond and stuff like that. It's like, this isn't so much for us anymore, like in terms of like, you know, I'm I'm 32 years old 
And I mean, I can't, I can't sit here and try to gatekeep Star Wars like it's my baby. And please don't do what all these other people want. Just do the kind I want, you know. Or like, please make your Halo games like Bungie, you know, and stuff like that. Like, we're not trying to do that. Recognize that these things grow and expand, and they take new chances. And we're so excited for that to be just lucky, uh, lucky enough to be around for it. But the part of us that got into the, our foot in the door with these fandoms happened a long time ago. And there's other people that are, are still who, whose introduction was four, who was five with Halo, who was the sequel trilogy and with Star Wars and all these different things. That's why it's so important. And not that's to so keep important not to gatekeep because like I can sit here and say, you know what? Just like here's the thing. Like I yeah, I could sit here and say I'm a I'm, I'm I've been far more invested in Star Wars than Brian has. But Brian loves the sequel trilogy more than me. That does not bother me in the slightest. I would tell anybody that. And that doesn't offend me as a Star Wars fan. I don't feel some sense of insecurity because Brian clearly likes it more and will talk more highly of it. You know, like, I'm happy he enjoys it. I want, when I saw Last Jedi, I was like, I was was so sad, but it was because I was so happy for people that loved it and I wanted to love it as much as them. It wasn't like I was like, screw you guys. Like, I want you to hate it like me too. You know, and not everyone's like that, but I think it's just a, a matter of we just we grow and we grow past some of these things, but we still feel the tether because they're bringing things that still find a way to make it relevant for us. And we want to live in those worlds still, even if it's not where we're always at. Yeah, I mean, that's well said. And, and the, the imprint that it makes on you when you're adolescent or when you're when it hits you at that right moment of your life, like for me. You know, I'm not even be I'm not being objective at all. I'm being completely subjective. But when I think of like, you think I think of the first time like I see you know the cutscene with the Grave Mine holding Chief and and Arbiter and and uh, Arbiter and Chief's like, calm down. I'd rather not piss this thing off. And I'm just <laughs> like, oh my! Like my eyes are like, this is amazing. What is this game? You know? And I'm like, are giving the Covenant back their bomb? Like to me, like giving the Covenant back their bomb, and I'd rather not piss this thing off, Grave Mine. That's like people talking about when they saw, you know, I am your father. Oh, yeah. Like all that Star Wars stuff. So it's just like that is such a seminal moment for me. It's just unsurpassable. It's always going to be at the top. Um, But yeah, back to about Anakin, because I still got a couple of things more I want to say about this uh, before we get out of here. I am so excited about where they can go with this, because in the book, Kenobi uh, that was, you know, an old canon and stuff like that. Uh, it's not canon anymore. It very much deals with his time on Tatooine and how he kind of comes to grips with everything that happened. He tries to commune with Qui-Gon and all this kind of stuff. So there's a lot of potential for, for some of that to maybe kind of carry over in its own way into this. But I think with Anakin, what has me so excited is that we could kind of get, uh, some flashbacks to Clone Wars. And that makes me really hyped, dude, to think I could see them together. Like, you could even have Rosario Dawson cameo in some flashback scene. It's not saying they'll do that, but, like, now we have a live-action Ahsoka. It, it, it stands to warrant we could always get a flashback in Ahsoka of Hayden Christensen as Anakin. Like, there's so much room here to do that stuff. And, I mean, I think the fact the fact that they mentioned Hayden Christensen coming back to play Vader is telling. Because, in one sense, you do have them kind of clearly saying he's playing Vader. So that could just mean, hey, we're going to see a lot of Vader with the helmet off and stuff like that. But I think a lot of that's going to have to do with flashbacks. You know, I think I think they're bringing you, you could just you could work around that with a helmetless Vader. Right. But like you don't just bring Hayden back to kind of be under the helmet. 
You know, you bring them back. Yeah, to I think show there's I think there's more to it. Um, I was really excited for the prospect of an Obi Wan series, but having Hayden come back was just makes it all the oh more my better. God, right? dude. And I think I think the think I think if there hadn't been the Hayden announcement, I think the biggest one might have been the Ahsoka series. That's fair. Uh, I, I think, think that got and Alkalite, I think, Yeah, no, I, I definitely get what you're. Dude, from. can we see like even a minute or thirty seconds of of, of Hayden Christensen and Ahsoka together on screen? That's what I'm saying. Like, I want that so bad. <laughs> Damn, that be so dude. cool. Like, don't let that just, opportunity pass even by. Like a minute of them three together. Like, or what if we get another? What if man, it's like a best kept secret in Star Wars, and we get Natalie Portman back in a Padme cameo? Boy, what I oh, I don't think it'll happen. I don't want to set my expectations high. I mean, look, dude, got Padme's Christ- so much more likable in the Clone Wars. Like, I'm not saying. Let me rephrase that. I like her in the prequel movies, mm-hmm. but she gets so much added to her. Like everyone else gets enhanced in the, in the Clone they, Wars. They yeah, she's yeah, she's just better. You yeah, know, they do. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't think they're going to do that stuff necessarily. But I, I, at this point, it's like now's the time to do it where you can do that stuff where Hayden, all these actors, actresses, they're not so far removed from. They're sort of prime the 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 time when they shined in their respective films that the aging is going to look too weird. Like you could literally do no de aging makeup stuff with Hayden as Anakin, and I know like all these years have passed, but I'm going to buy into it. I'm going to know. It's just like Frodo in the Hobbit. Yes, you can tell he's older, but not so much. It looks bad. Yeah, so I like I I'm just excited for what this is going to do for the narrative. I mean, what this makes it sound like is these guys are going to come to a head again and have a rematch. How that's going to come to be is going to be quite interesting because it's like you can't imagine that Vader's going to find him on Tatooine because then that would somehow lead him to finding Luke. You can't really do that. So He'll, are we about to Obi-Wan have Obi-Wan will be on some mission or chase for well, something? I was going to say, is he going to somehow go off Vader. world? That's weird to imagine that Obi-Wan would ever do that. In old canon, they did have stories about that. But like it's weird to think of it actually being a thing. So I'm excited for whatever they want to do, even if I'm like, like okay. And you have an Empire Strikes Back. Uh, it's the first time Luke and Vader duel, right? Only it's not. Like, for so long, people thought that was. Well, then when the new canon came out and they did, they started the Star Wars comic line, like, within the first four comic issues, they they duel. And for a lot of people, they were, they were that was one of the first things in the new canon where people were like, I don't know how I feel about this because it almost kind of takes away from just that moment that they have together thinking now when you watch it, this isn't the first time they fought. But what's cool is there's a moment where Luke goes up to him and he's like, you killed my father. And then Vader says to him, I've killed many fathers. You'll have to be more specific. <laughs> wow. It's super good. That kind of sounds... That sounds similar to me, like the whole "make sure not to choke on your aspirations." Oh, dude, he has another good line where he's got all these rebels guys surrounding him, and they're like, "Give up, you're surrounded." He's like, "All I am surrounded by is fear and dead men." I'm like, "Damn, Vader gets some Damn, good dude. lines, dude." Yeah. They never. Dude, mess okay, up. you know what? This would also be the chance. Imagine if they gave Hayden the opportunity as Darth Vader to do something as badass as the Rogue One scene. Absolutely, and this is such, this is such a great opportunity too to get to show Hayden's death. I'm not saying he's some Oscar worthy actor, but this is really going to do a lot for people who have shit on him for so long yeah. to get to see him under a different director. Because like, look, I love George Lucas, but he's not the best director. I think he's a great writer, but I don't think he's the best. You know, he does a whole like faster, more intense. It's like thanks so much, thanks. That gives me a lot to go off on George. But now we're going to get. I think it's Deborah Chow and yeah. and. I'm really excited to see what she can kind of put into this that. This is why fandom scares me, though, because Hayden Christensen only has this opportunity because the fans allowed it. I mean, that's the tr- that's my opinion. 
You know what I mean? I don't like know if, if you're the, right or not, but I understand where you're coming from. Like if the yeah, if, if the opinion hadn't shifted in recent years to we like Hayden Christensen, we like Revenge of the Sith, mm-hmm. the prequels, if that hadn't happened, I don't think Disney would have ever shelled out money to get him the back. The only thing I could say, yeah, I mean, in contrast to that, though, is that, like, I see where you're coming from, and I think you could potentially be right. I just, if you are doing an Obi-Wan story, which he was always just universally loved as, as uh, Obi-Wan, uh, Ewan, I think if you do tell that story and you do plan to have Anakin in there, it's not like you're going to recast him, you know? So I don't think it's necessarily they were like, let's make it a mission, let's make it an agenda to bring Hayden back. How can we do that? Oh, perfect, Obi-Wan. I don't necessarily think it was so cut and dry as that. I think it was just like, this is a chance. But I don't know. Either of us could be right, and I'm more wrong on that stuff. So who knows? But, uh, dude, I'm so freaking excited. I didn't think I was going to get this. And you know what's so funny, Brian? is like I remember just a few days ago on Twitter, all that stuff of Ryan Johnson saying, here's why I didn't include Force Ghost Anakin. And I'm so sad about it. And I'm so sad seeing all these but topics you got about this. it. Yeah. And then a couple of days later, they're like, Hayden Christensen returns. I'm telling you what, guys, if you've ever watched wrestling, this is like when fucking Stone Cold's been gone for a year and he comes back and the glass shatters and the pyro goes off and the crowd goes fucking nuts. And it's just like, oh, my God, it's Anakin Skywalker. You know, and I'm just like freaking out. And, I, dude, I was crying. I was I was emotional. Uh, I could not be happier with this. This is exactly what I wanted. And even though it's not in the same vein of like being in the sequel trilogy, like I get to see Hayden again. And uh, I, I just think back to 15 year old me standing in line for revenge of the Sith. And I, I just, I realize more and more Anakin's my favorite character in star Wars. I love Anakin Skywalker. I feel like he is. I, I've been telling guys, if you can, if you can all like just completely annoy Josh on Twitter, I've been telling him, for years that I want him to put on Letterboxd that one of his favorite films of all time is Revenge of the Sith because he's lying to himself. Oh, yeah, yeah. To, be, to, to give a little expunge on that, guys, I you can list like your top four films, right? And I have four films and none of them are Star Wars ones. And I, everyone knows me as like the Star Wars guy. So it's it's odd. To, it's always been but odd I, to Brian. But I, I guarantee I could take at least one of those movies and say, Josh, I'm either going to get rid of this or Revenge of the Sith. And you're going to get rid of the other movie. Yeah, it was so it needs to be there, man. At it, so needs to be there. That's fair. That's fair. But yeah, I mean, you're you're not, you're not wrong about that. So, Josh, would you say this is your 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 number one media moment of the year? Like, is it bigger bigger Fucking than Cyberpunk? Yeah, bigger I'm, than Cyberpunk? <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. dude. Uh, I'm sorry. I love Cyberpunk. Uh, most anticipated game for me since Halo Three. Wow, does this just blow everything else out of the water? This is the happiest I've been all year and in a long time. I have wanted this in Star Wars. For so long, I've wanted to just see Hayden back. And ever since, I mean, look, I would have liked to have seen that back in the day, like before we got the the Disney acquisition. But like, especially after the Disney acquisition, I'm like, now that these things, uh, now that this is happening, this is very much a real possibility. I I guess if I could be completely selfish and say, what what exactly was it that I was wanted with that specifically? I always just wanted to see Mark Hamill and Hayden get to interact on screen in character. I always wanted the father and son thing that we kind of get teased at the end of Return. I just wanted to see that moment. But that's okay. Look, look, I, I, beggars can't be choosers and all that stuff. I am happy that I get to see him back with Ewan McGregor. And Ewan McGregor was even talking about how he got such a great romance is how he gets to work with Hayden again. Yeah. And those guys get along great, and, and that just makes me so happy that they get to be around one another again. And what teases and what plot transpires is all just icing on the cake of such a great announcement. And uh, I will be happy for years to come with this, knowing I get to see him again. Uh, I hope I get to see him as, uh, like, Clone Wars Anakin, some kind of, like, like non-Vader 
uh, yeah. Anakin in there. Like, I, I hope I get to see that a bit. But even if I don't, like, just to see Hayden Christensen's face, I, I will cry. The only thing that can make me cry as much is getting to see Jar Jar again. And it sounds like we, we, we could potentially see him in season three of Mandalorian based on some... This is a, such a stretch. It'll never happen. But would it, wouldn't it be crazy if there was a scene in Obi-Wan where they do like a... Like a they would do it better than I'm pitching it, but they would do like a flash forward where it from a different camera angle, it shows ghost Anakin show up behind Ray at that moment. Oh, that'd be great. Like, it's just like, I don't know if it's like a, he's thinking about it or it's like reflecting on it or whatever. It, it's just like you see Ray in the, like, yeah. With, okay. Like, as biased as I get, as much as I complain about no force ghost Anakin, cause I know I do and I do it nicely, but I know I'm still complaining about it as much as that's a thing. Like, look, we don't truly know in canon yet, like, how all that Force stuff works. Just the sort of wills, you know, and then yeah. all that. We don't really know. So, like, it's always possible. Like, when when you, the biggest thing that, that really grabs me is when Yoda shows up in Last Jedi. Luke, in his conversation initially, kind of makes it imply that, like, he hasn't seen Yoda for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And... It's entirely possible that like these dudes just go to a different place and like the the them showing up as force ghosts is very much a sort of cameo of like, hey, yes, I've moved on, but I'm okay and you can go live your life now. You know, like maybe that's all it is. Whereas I think a lot of us tend to think, hey, force ghosts, they can just pop in whenever they want and hang out and chill. Yeah. We don't know. So maybe there is a justifiable reason why, you know, that that'll come later to explain why we don't see like force ghost Anakin. But I don't need him to be off to the side, but like it, it as of right now, I mean, yeah, it felt like it would have made sense considering this is supposed to be the the Skywalker saga, and you don't have Hayden Christensen so up, show up like some yeah. full house moment. Look at my kids. Look at that's, look at this adapted child. That's my. That's kid. why it's such a hard it's such a hard conversation to have because it's such a hard conversation to have because um, for me, Rise of Skywalker, I don't know, 90% of the film is good enough for me. Mm-hmm. But there's a few tweaks I'd like that would make it so much better. Where I feel like most people are just like movies trash. Yep. Like no, because like, for, like for, you, for you, for you, like just having Ghost Anakin would would help a lot. For me, um, giving a little bit more time to introduce Palpatine at the beginning, um, maybe making Palpatine not related to Ray. Um, just a couple little. Things you know, maybe build the die out. I just to see Ghost Anakin because I always wanted a chance to see a, uh, an Anakin that was um, wise, an Anakin that got to to grow and age. You know that we didn't really get to see with Vader per se, and see a, a gentle side of of Anakin. We just didn't get to see that because of all the manipulation at hand. And when you watch Clone Wars, you see such a strong driven side of Anakin that everyone around him respects even if he's always he's, he tends to go by his own rules sometimes but he has so he commands so much respect by his peers and I just would have loved to have gotten to see uh, I guess a well-preserved Anakin Skywalker that uh, really like that could express you know hey like I've learned these I'm above these things now and yes I've made these mistakes but here's where I'm at now and here's how I can help you something to that effect or even even if we get to see him in in this Obi Wan show, just you know, be a hero. Like so much of Anakin's story is about uh, his turn to darkness and his downfall, and then his, uh, his sort of rise. I'd love to just, just see a cool. moment where he gets to exist as a hero. It would have just been cool if we had got to see as much Revenge of the Sith Anakin as we got to see three movies of Luke, three movies of Rey. 
you know? Yeah. Because we got we got two movies of Anakin, but most people, you know, vastly like the revenge version, and we didn't get You're him. You're talking about, like, Hayden's Anakin? Yeah, like, Hayden's yeah. Anakin. So, like, if we could have got three movies worth of Hayden's Anakin, like, all... I still like Jake Lloyd's movie. Anakin, but, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I, I, me too. Yeah. But it's not like I look at him and think, like, the picture adult, the nine-year-old Anakin swinging a lightsaber around, like, becoming Darth Vader. So, yeah. I, I know what you're saying, yeah. Josh... We went way over three hours, but hey, when we allow ourselves to talk like this, man, this was fun. I know. It good. has been a blast. I know if we kept going, uh, we'd probably go over four hours. So we yeah, try we to could really do up. that easily. Yeah. Hopefully, for those of you that need uh, something to listen to at work on a commute, this has been a godsend for you. <laughs> yeah. um, but Josh, let's quick. I'm going to quickly, I'm going to do that thing where I quickly read off our patrons because yeah. we haven't shouted them out quick uh, in a while, but I'm going to read them quicker than you probably want me to because we want to get no, out of here. No, that's all good. So, uh most recent pay, uh, pay, patron, I got your potatoes. <laughs> That's his name. I love it. I love. Yeah, it. thank you so much, bro. Really appreciate Can that. You bring him Arm. over when the when we're done with the episode. He's a thank for Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving <laughs> uh, or Christmas. Armageist. Armageist. Thank you, Green so Plumber. Green Plumber. Thank you. Fucking weird. Podio. Joshy Big Boy. All right, love it. Ryan Barca. Love. Dustin Mondre. Great guy. Anthony Nicolosi. So Corey cool. Hanks. Great. Kilimanjaro. Oh, such long. a nice guy. Oni BB. Love him. We got some protein jugs. Protein <laughs> MH Cosplay coming in through that ceiling and that drop oh. pod. Genesis, Ian Mills, Photon. Boom, boom, boom. Our boy, the meme lord, Photon. Bang, bang. Nick Ray, bang, baby. Bang. Him with that bang, bang. Bang, bang. Bang, bang. Back. Jondon, our moderator, also did the Carnage Report. Make sure you check that out. Shadows of Reach book if you haven't yet. Trevor Polky. Polky We got the Shipleys, whose show comes out in less than a month. WandaVision. Make sure to check them out. (laughs) Dust Storm from Podtacular. Glass. And finally. The man who saw Justice League and knew it needed more. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Matthew Salvatore. Guys, this has been so much fun. Brian. What a time we're living in, right? We got Hayden Christensen's coming back as Anakin. Everything seems right in the Halo world. We got a whole new MCU slate of content coming out. We got a Buzz Lightyear film. Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk we're playing right out. now. My goodness, Tons dude. of good movies. Things to look forward to. The How Game Awards we? were straight fire. It's great, it's man. lovely. Um, so, guys, Josh has a little something he's, he's chosen to play that's completely fitting of this this joyous moment of all this this new material that like so when, we, when we take it out here. So, um, guys, this was a super fun episode. Hope you enjoyed listening. Make sure to leave a five-star review on iTunes. Let us know if you enjoyed this episode uh, at over three hours long. Uh, just, just give us some feedback. As always, guys, keep it sacred.